and talking to our friends. Hellboy Hello, oh, everybody, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, gang, go check out our pals at Bignolaverse.com for all your Hellboy-related product reviews, articles, and links to our podcast. And also, send us reviews. It's been a while since I begged our listeners to <laughs> give us some reviews, so, you know, get on the social medias or get on iTunes and give us a review that helps us spread the word of our podcast. Also, we haven't got any intros in a while, you know, uh... Send us those intros, too. We'd love to hear from you. I was about to say the same thing. I would like to hear some more intros from you Yeah, that would be great. They're so fun when y'all do them. Even I have to admit they're pretty adorable. Yeah, they really are. And you can follow us on all the socials. Nathaniel Green, he had sent us a message earlier asking us which story we were reading for the next week. And I just wanted to remind everybody, you can check out our reading order on our Facebook page. If you go to our About section and then you go to Impress Them, you can find links there to our Discord page, and also the reading order up to episode 50, hopefully. And then also you can check out all the links to get to our show. Go to the About section on the Facebook. Mark Tweedale. Thanks, Mark Tweedale, for that reading order. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Mark. Also, all the way up to 50. Wow. Yeah. That's where I have it on there. I try to not go too far ahead on there, but if you want to, you know, keep up with us throughout throughout the reading order, you can check that out. No, I'm just going to wait until you tell me what okay, we're doing yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. You can do that, too. He'll open the book up to the page and hand it to me. I'd be like, here, <laughs> this is what you're reading. It's nice. It's real nice. Get you a, get you a John to do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I sure will. Just uh, send me a message and I'll head over to your house and I'll remind you. I'll give you a little tap on the shoulder before the episode comes out. And now we're going to move on to some listener feedback. Listener feedback. (laughs) Oh, is that the new song for listener feedback? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm digging it. (laughs) Hey, you damn guys. Drinking with skeletons. We had a lot of feedback on BPRD Vampire. Sometimes I'm like, man, I bet you we're not going to get any feedback. Or I start to, <laughs> Why would you I start say to, that, John? Every week I think that people are just going to stop so listening. Negative. And people are going to stop commenting. We're friends. Talking we about a- <laughs> Hellboy with your friends. It's we a had, book club. We had so much feedback this week. It was really great. We got a Hey You Damn Guys from Matt Strackbine. Hey, Matt, Matt Strackbine. He said, one of my favorite Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bob books is called Casanova. There's more than one book under that title, oh. and it's a really trippy ride. I would consider their work in the Hellboy universe as beautifully weird as it may be, pretty tame by comparison. Oh, shit. Certainly nothing wrong with cool. that, but if you want more of their own stuff, grab the first Casanova trade if you haven't already. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that does sound great. I'd like That's to check that out. That's a good way to get us into a book, I think, yeah. the three of us. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like I've heard that name before, like maybe like list of like you know, independent comics. Oh, that are sure. right. But then again, I could also be making that up. I might not have heard it. Well, I think all. somebody <laughs> actually mentioned it on the podcast already regarding Gabriel Bond, Fabio Moon. Matt also says about vampire. I've always been the type of comic book reader that thinks if you stray far enough from the source material, you should rebrand it completely as something purely original. Mm. This series almost strayed too far for me. I just wanted vampire to tie into the BPRD more. <laughs> And I guess I never embraced Anders as a character the way most readers have. In the context of the BPRD, there is something interesting there. But on its own, eh, just give me more of the regular series instead. 
I liked how the professor got involved at the end, but I kept wanting him to be there during the adventure all right. along. I was surprised, actually, at how quickly I was like, yeah, sure. Right, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm in that same boat, too. I was like, yeah. Same, same. Or what if Vampire had started out as a story about a guy, then you realized it was a BPRD book later, like in a twist? For a more current example, uh-huh. I really liked the Star yeah. Wars movie Solo, but what if the movie had been advertised as a non-specific Star Wars movie, oh, and cool. you suddenly realize after it's begun that it's a Han Solo origin story? Maybe a twist is gimmicky, but those are the kind of things I kept thinking while reading the monthly issues for Vampire. That's, that's cool. When, okay. Yeah, that's yeah he says, that's when I realized I was sour on this one. Maybe I should just keep it to myself, but even I have to admit that this creative team has no boundaries when it comes to world building. That's a very good thing, and that's why ultimately I'm always on board for whatever they give us. I have to wonder if there was ever a time when Mignon and company said, nah, we shouldn't go there. A series like Vampire is a testament to their success overall and highly commendable, whether I'm the Russian judge this time or not. (laughs) Funny, because down the road, the creators would use more unconventional storytelling methods that worked fine for me while I heard criticism from others. So, you know, something for everybody, right? Again, that's a very good thing. It takes guts. You yeah. have to go out on a limb. And I think that they they told a cool story. And yeah. I was actually, again, I was surprised at how much I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on board for this. Yeah. And I have to say, I, I think a, a twist is only a gimmick if it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Okay. If, it's go not, ahead, go if it's not clever enough to be, oh, whoa, did you fucking see right, that shit? Yeah. You got to get into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think way back when we did our interview with Kevin Alford, we should do another one soon, but okay. he he had asked what minor characters I liked, and I think I mentioned Anders. You know, oh, wow. Uh, okay. Simon Anders has always been a fan favorite of mine, you know. See, I didn't know much about any of this at right, all. Right, yeah. yeah. So going back, I wonder how much of my interview would have changed, because I was literally had just started reading right, yeah. any of this stuff, and he was like, so what do you think about this? What are you looking forward to? And I was like, I have no fucking idea. I have <laughs> no clue. We, so. we, hadn't even, we hadn't even started the BPRD yeah. at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it would be fun to do another interview. Yeah, that would be good. We'll hit him up soon. Every time someone wants to interview me, I'm just like, why? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anything. Yeah, same, you know, but... (laughs) We also heard from Drew Campbell. He said, and I have to wonder about the apparent antagonism between the witches and vampires. Yeah. If they weren't really against each other, wouldn't the witches have been happy to let Anders hunt and kill however many vampires he could manage? It seems to me that their problem with him has to do more with the fact that he wasn't properly consecrated to Hecate and isn't devoted to her. Yeah. Also, they seem to have a particular problem with the Rosina sisters, referring to them as the worst two of Hecate's children. Of course, the matter is complicated by the fact that the witches lead Anders to Rosenberg, presumably expecting Anders to kill him, as well as the sisters' taunt about vampires having killed many witches. My guess is there has probably been somewhat of a rivalry between the witches and vampires but never an all-out war so to speak the witches are protecting their fellow children of hecate from anders while at the same time trying to inflict punishment on the sisters for some wrong that they have done presumably their role in anders transformation of course the vampires don't seem to have a problem with the sisters and they're more directly affected than the witches by what Anders has become. So basically, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he also said, Hannah may have not been totally happy about double-crossing Simon, but it's clear that she was working from the beginning to lead him into the trap. She was still alive when she last saw him in the castle, but she calls Broom to tell him that Simon is dead and someone needs to claim the body. That right there shows that she believed she was leading him to his death. That doesn't necessarily justify the fate she presumably suffered, but she certainly wasn't innocent. I don't know. I still, 
I'm still not clear on that. Yeah, and we also got another comment about Hannah from the Barbara Yaga at Manvich on Twitter. <laughs> you know, the Barbara Yaga has been one of the old school first commenters from the, from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. He said, I feel like Hannah's motivations are very much a little column A, a little column B. She did what she was told, but she got to know a small part of Anders in spite of how little time they actually spent together and may have come to regret her part. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I still don't really know. I'm not clear on that. Right. Maybe she didn't understand the extent of what she was getting herself into. That's what I, that's the impression I got. And then some people are saying, no, she was playing dumb. Right. So hmm. I don't know if that's explicitly. So I wouldn't say she's playing dumb. I'm pretty sure she, I feel like she knew what she was doing, but she didn't seem to like what she was doing. I mean. She just, the whole time though, throughout, she was like, ah, you can't be serious. What are you talking about? This is yeah. silly. What are you? Yeah. No. But then people are saying, no, she was a secret agent. She was trying to get him killed. Right, right. I don't know. Hmm. Double-crossed you. Blah. That part of the story never even really... She might have just been used. Maybe she was just like a... Yeah. Like a, it, um, it didn't oh, seem like... Unaware was, pawn. She most, probably was most definitely used. Yeah. It didn't seem really that important to the plot to me, like whether or not she... I don't know. I think that for me, it really was there to more illustrate... Anders's transformation into a fucking monster or whatever. Right. Yeah. We also got feedback from Jan Niklas. He said, fun fact, the Hasburgs were everywhere. Charles V, for example, officially reigned over Spain, Burgundy, Aragon, the German territories, and Italy, Jeez. and had to fight with France for the crown of the German territories because he was already too powerful and the Pope was afraid of him. He also had to fight the German lords because they turned Lutheran, so they wouldn't have to pay tribute to the Pope anymore. A bit simplified, but it helped that Martin Luther kissed the German lord's butts and promised his church would keep out of the politics. Hmm. And Charles's son, Philip II, was a whole other story. But all this could have never worked if the Hasburg didn't start marrying in almost every noble house that existed or wasn't at war with them, which was everyone after a while, because <laughs> Europe. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for that thank you for that lesson there and cool. jen niklas said a little german lesson also buger means citizen started in the middle ages when you bought your citizenship in one of those free city states huh. you were then yeah. a citizen of that town and could run for a political office yeah so we had we had talked about that also okay thanks okay. for that and he also said goal and soul don't rhyme in german yeah i was wondering yeah. about that but he says for artistic purposes it kind of works in the poem right i <clears> guess <throat> that maybe it was a similar idea yeah or i don't even know if german yeah. po poems have to rhyme i didn't ever study german poetry well he says you know it would be zeal and seely ah. but Seely Seelin, but it works in the poem as seal. Right, right, so right. So it kind that of makes like sense. it kind of makes cool. uh, anyway. That's, thank you for that. That is really good to know. I appreciate that input cool. for sure. I feel like such an uncultured son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I... that we have people that have no, actually good, have yeah. knowledge other than our Absolutely. We just speculate. We just go, oh, I the, don't know. And I, I know I lean on this a lot, but the American education system is real bad. Right. Man. Back to vampire. This was the one I put into the category. They repeat plot twists again at first. Until I began to think, hey, they do that for a reason. The heroes of the Hellboy verse are always fighting with their monstrosity, and this time we see what happens when they give up. 
they turn into sexy, half-naked vampires and start their second <laughs> rebellious phase. Nice. Only instead of a cool motorcycle, Anders uses a big bear, which is even cooler. Okay, he turns... A big in- <laughs> bear that turns into a lady. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Which, okay. Yeah. You can really see how much Anders loves the new Unlife, and I'm curious how this will end. I mean, it will end with lots more undead. But the question is, if the BPRD gets Anders before he kills most of the really important vampires, would it be kind of darkly comedic if the reasons that Hellboy meets most of his monsters as crazy loners is because Anders killed most of the bigger groups before Big Red got started working? Yeah, I thought that was a cool little idea that there. That is really cool. Yeah. Who all, they, have we, who all have we heard from so far? Jan Niklas. Uh-huh. Jan Niklas. Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Jerry Turnbull. We haven't heard from Jerry. We haven't Turnbull heard from yet. him yet. Um, Max Strackbine. Max Yeah. Bar- are, the Barbara Yaga. These are all our friends. Yeah. These are all of our long, longtime friends. pals. Yeah. Jen Niklas also says, as for the witches versus vampires, this story reminds us that Hecate isn't a very nice person. Goddess <laughs> thing. I guess she was way more drunk on power before something happened. I mean, we saw her quiet weekend in Wake the Devil. But before that, she seemed to be quite into the whole goddess of darkness business. So it makes sense for me that her children and her servants duke it out because she's the most powerful creature in the HB verse. So she deserves all the blood in the game she can get for her own amusement. She can lose a dozen witches and vampires that will always be more eager souls serving her dark mistress, or so she thought. Her children are as bad as mommy. That's why the reaction of the sisters to the wife made sense to me. How can she choose that commoner instead of them? The nerve. So, of course, they're pissed because they are undead queens and he loved the food more than them. Talking about uh, Wilhelm, right? Right, right, right. That's the biggest insult you can give to psychopaths like them. Those two need a good spanking with a cross. Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) And Kevin Foster, he said, this is very exciting. I love the way Mike Mignola's knowledge expands to rare and often unlimited expertise. Mm. And we had some mega-sized feedback from our pal Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Yeah. Mark Tweedell. He's kind of our guiding force. He's laying down the path for our reading order. And we got like a Hell Notes Mignolaversity-sized article right. portion of feedback from him this week. So thanks for that, Mark. I'm really excited. Oh, wow. He said, it's funny hearing everyone's reactions to the 1940s stories. I find them a fascinating exploration of the prequel stories, especially since prequels normally have a hard time finding their footing. It starts like you'd expect, with the Bureau looking for answers about Hellboy. And it could have continued that way, but I think it would have run into problems most prequels do by being too preoccupied with what follows, plugging narrative holes that never needed plugging. Yeah, so like... Here's how Han Solo got his name. Here's yeah. how he got his pants. Yeah. Here's how he got his gun. Here's how he's got his ship. Yeah. And here's how he got his best friend. Uh, don't, <laughs> also, don't forget Wolverine's origin. Here's how he got his jacket. <laughs> oh, here's how he got his motorcycle. Here's how he got his name. Yeah. Here's how he lost his memory. Oh, uh, anyway. <laughs> he says prequels like that make a universe feel smaller. Instead, the 1940s books have their own stories and characters that stand alone from what follows. They're actually a pretty great jumping-on point for the Hellboy universe. I remember liking 1946 the first time I read it, but 1947 really got its hooks into me. 1948 I loved, especially Ryu. Arcudi did an excellent job of showing how, even though she's an expert in her field, the men are quick to dismiss her as emotional. But Vampire, ah, this one's my favorite. One of the best in the Hellboy universe, in my honest opinion, not because of the plot, but because of the telling. Ba and Moon fully embrace subjective visuals, something I feel comics does better than any other narrative medium. 
They push it to the point that objective and subjective representation even exist side by side in the same panel, and they do it so well that it's often invisible. I also love their languid approach to storytelling. Imagine that first issue, a mere 22 pages and saying, okay, the first quarter is just going to set the scene, no dialogue. Yeah, because if yeah. you think about that, that first issue, when they turned that in, it probably didn't have very much in oh, terms yeah. of the dialogue for the script because that first issue is mostly just art and setting the stage. I'm always really impressed with someone who can tell a story because that takes guts yeah. to, to just rely on your storytelling ability, Right. which oh, if yeah. you're an artist, you really, really have to work at telling that story. Just like you said, like there's no right. dialogue or, an, or even like a description going across the page or whatever. So you have to really trust yourself and your abilities to really tell a story. And some people can do that really well and some people kind of yeah. lose me. So yeah. it's it's I, I always really admire that when I'm reading a story that has me absolutely captivated as though I'm right. watching a movie and I realize there's no <laughs> fucking words on the page. I'm like, damn, that is fucking good storytelling. Yeah. It's really good. It kind of uh, reminds me of um, to, uh, actually two different things. One, that Buffy the Vampire episode where they uh, lost their voice and it was the whole thing was quiet. With yeah, um, I think it was the silence. But I know what you're um, talking about. Yeah, yeah. And then that uh, what was it, like 15, 20 years ago they did those Marvel. Man, movies. that's what I was gonna say. Okay, yeah, yes, so. awesome. Those yeah, great. so and and I and I love that you mentioned that Danielle because. Marvel did do this thing a couple years that. ago where everyone was going to do these silent issues. And there were some artists like Alex Maleev, who do, who's doing Daredevil at the time, who could super pull it off. Yeah. And then yeah. there were other artists that you could kind of tell could not. It kind of, it kind of lost it me. kind of lost you a little bit. Or it, it just didn't seem like it had as much substance. Yeah. 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 What are you looking storytelling. at? Storytelling. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. the story where you can follow the story and you're like spellbound by yeah. it every and you're it's telling a you know i anyway that just impresses me oh. i remember uh my favorite uh i almost said episode my favorite <laughs> issues from that were the uh the new x-men with uh quietly and um grant morrison and yeah. grant morrison yeah, yeah that was oh that was really so good. good and not to say that the writers don't write those oh, yeah, yeah. but i'm just saying to to really pull that off as yes. an artist is really impressive yeah. to me well it's like you know with comic writing it's like two different i feel like it's two different uh steps so it's like the one yeah. step where you plot out the story the artist takes that yeah makes it and then the writer goes in and adds the dialogue because yeah. you can have a good written yeah. story and then have an artist that absolutely just muddles it up a little right. bit. yeah and yeah. i'm not you know i'm not I... the same thing happens with movies all the time too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mark also said, we're repeatedly shown a heart being eaten by the sisters throughout the story. This isn't just a memory. This is Anders laid bare. This sticks in his mind because that's what's happening to him. He's being eaten from the inside out, starting with the heart. And I like to think that he's waking up with someone else's memories in his head. His own memories are probably fading. It's like he's a house being cleaned out for a new owner. The Anders at the end of the story is a different character, holding on to the vestiges he can but also full of emotions and desires that aren't his embedded into his very soul. Very good description yeah. of, of yeah, that, all that. That was really good. <laughs> On a second reading, it's fun to find all the panels drawn by both Ba and Moon. The witch find sequence is great for that. Moon's vampire world leaking into and consuming Ba's. Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon give so much to the story, I could talk about it for hours. So I'll try to restrain myself in the comments. Otherwise, it'll be a bit of an avalanche. And then he also sent a separate comment because he wanted to talk about the witches. And this has come up a lot today. I really like how many of our listeners came back with the feedback on the vampires and witches. And so uh, Mark Tweedell said here, I feel like the Hellboy universe has an uneasy relationship with witches. 
Given the real world history at play, there's an aspect of demonizing of people that have always had others write their history. Thank you. For me, I always feel particularly uneasy with stories involving witch trials because in reality, a lot of innocent people died. Yeah. Because of them... People who were just happened to be good at gardening yeah. while others people's crops were dying. Right, yeah. Right. Like, but in the fantasy world of Hellboy, where there are such things as evil witches, there can occasionally be that sense of, oh, this was justified. Presumably, witches of all kinds were killed in the witch trials, though I think far more innocent than not. Right, but if the storyteller is someone who has fallen for right. the Catholic Church's slander and says witches are bad, right. it, it's hard to believe that a storyteller wouldn't have that seep into their brain and be like, oh, cool, I'll tell a story about how witches are gross. Right, like, yeah. that's, you know, I don't know. That might be partially where it comes from. Sure. But... <laughs> While there are certainly evil witches in the Hellboy universe, there are also good witches, and just people that happen to be witches. We don't see them too often because the Bureau only gets called in to deal with trouble. (laughs) So the other witches tend to be rendered invisible at first glance. Given that the paranormal got its footing in public consciousness in the late 1940s and early 1950s, it feels like the attitudes of that time got embedded in the way the term witch is used, its default as a pejorative. For me, when I read the witches in these books, I'm always looking for where their power comes from. It's the tale for their intentions. There's always a cost, and there are a lot of buyers in hell that will trade power. But it's far from the only place power comes from. I'm going to dig into a Hellboy tale, The Troll Witch, a favorite good witch, by the way, to examine the notion of cost. In the story, a woman is able to have a beautiful daughter, but she's also given the temptation for more, which results in a trollish daughter. I read this as a manifestation of the spell's cost. The power cannot exist without a balancing component. But at the end of the story, the troll witch says, Someday a woman who is wanting children will come to me. I will give her these flowers to eat, and all her children will be beautiful, not trollish, which doesn't seem to have a cost. I read this as a choice by the troll witch not to pass on the cost. All her life, she's lived with the cost of her mother's choice, and I believe what she's offering is only the gift minus the cost. She's choosing to bear the cost herself. She's done it before, and she's willing to weather worse to give a woman a child she so dearly desires. But this is never stated in the narrative at all. But in a story about cost and choice, it feels thematically consistent to me. And it fits with the troll witch's character to shoulder this burden without even telling anyone that it's there. I think if you look, there are witches of many kinds throughout the Hellboy universe, often hiding in plain sight, often not specifically called witches. Sir Edward Grey is technically a warlock in the stories set in the late 20th century and into the 21st century. He fought against witches in his youth and Hecate, and the Queen of Witches even ridicules him by asking, Have you come to mock at your queen? She knows what he's become, and potentially of the innocent he may have injured as a myopic young man. Which brings me to my last point. People are not one thing. Time changes all things, especially people, including witches. We are who we choose to be, and the stories that emphasize choice rather than simply saying, that's evil and that's good, are the ones that interest me the most. I look forward to when you get to some of the newer stories which explore these ideas further and introduce more witchy characters, a number of which are very dear to my heart. That was an excellent yeah, rundown. Was... I really loved all of the things you had to say. I loved your comments on the troll witch. I was also thinking about beautiful. That yeah. yeah, yeah. You had just a lot of beautiful things to say, and I liked it. Yeah, uh, totally on board with all that because I mean, I think that's part of the the appeal to this Hellboy Mignola verse is that it isn't about like good and evil. You know? Right. I mean, okay. I guess there's underlying good and evil thought and blah blah blah. But it's like everybody chooses to be, and they go. It isn't like 
oh my god, you're born, you're evil, so you must be evil all your life. Right, you know? yeah. Gosh darn that heck boy. <laughs> Damn that heck boy. That epilogue where Edward Gray comes out, comes down to talk to Hecate, and she says, have you come to mock at your queen? Like, I didn't think about that at the time, but yeah, he's become a warlock by that point. You know yeah, what I mean? He's this sure. shadowed figure or whatever, and she, he's basically, she's his queen, you know what I mean? Which is... Um, yeah, I just never thought about that. Really good points, and um, I just love hearing from Mark, and I feel like he gave us practically one of his, you know, an article that he would write for Hell Notes or for Mignolaversity. So, anyway, really beautiful, you really should beautiful thought. Yeah, right submit here. that to Mignolaversity as an actual article. That should be a thing on there, Yeah, yeah. is what I'm saying. It should be. Publish it over it, there. It shouldn't just rot in the comments section of our <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> Uh, well, that was actually an email that he oh, sent Oh, it's us. an email. Well, even, yeah, that's the then thing. Then it says rotting in our inbox. Well, it's not. Whoever listens to this podcast. It's, well, we we read it aloud, which is nice and, and everything. But yeah, post that online for people to read, man. Yeah, thank you so much for that. When I posted about little Hellboy cutting back his horns, we got a lot of comments on this. Okay. Nathaniel Green said, definitely one of the most heartbreaking scenes. Aww. Kevin Foster said, oh, little Hellboy, you'll be okay. You're going to kick butt someday. Kevin Alford said, in all the melodrama and death and all the comics, nothing will ever hit me as hard as little Hellboy looking in that mirror. Yeah. I may never oh. read 1948 again because of it. <laughs> Duoc Apocalypse said, him with the hacksaw killed me. De Sequoia said, my poor little sweet boy. Aww. Church of Aww. Sagan said, saddest panel ever. And Jason Abaddon said, could be worse. He could have used peroxide on him. Jeez. No, I certainly never did that. And I burned any photos if I had, which Aww. I didn't ever. Whom's amongst <laughs> us had, has not done a bad home die job? Oh, man. We got some feedback <laughs> on Lost Ones. Lost Ones was the story that we read, the short story that we read at the end of last week's episode. Drew Campbell said, I was also inspired to look up the Kukiri after reading Lost Ones. And some of the costumes are incredible. Yeah, they're I highly super recommend good. doing a Google search for Kukiri. And he posted some images in the yeah. discussion on our Facebook page, and they look awesome. Some really cool costumes in there. Really awesome way to learn about different cultures yeah. and just super cool things like that is reading these stories you come across they put in so many awesome different cultures and different yeah. traditional yeah. things in there that yeah that was really cool stuff to look at he says i'm curious what andrews has been doing in the past six years since the events of vampire the bear lady says she promised to help him if he brought her back home but surely it didn't take long to travel there I would say maybe she helped him do some things first, but it seems that the directions she gives him are the payment for him bringing her home. So what have they been doing all that time? Hopefully we will find out in some new stories before too long. And Bone Lord on Twitter said, nice. Hey, you damn guys, I found some cool beer. And it was a beer that said Black Pete. Oh, Remember nice. Remember when oh, we nice. read the Storm yeah. and the Fury? Yeah. That's, the, that's yeah. the beer that they had in that bar that was secretly, the, bar the bartender lady was secretly Mab, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And she had that beer Black Pete. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool. You can check out our Twitter if you want to see a picture of that. Again, I have to, if this is the very first episode you're listening to, it doesn't refer to a person named Pete. It refers to the oh yeah the noun Pete. It's P e a t. P, yeah. So yeah, and the bottle looked pretty cool. Yeah, the bottle looked pretty cool too. 
We also got a really nice message from A.T. Johnson. He messaged Aubrey, too, I think. Oh, he did. And, uh, yeah, thank you, A.T., for checking out the podcast. He had some really nice things to say. He's been binging our episodes. He said, very glad I found you, damn guys. I'm really enjoying the show and your many insights and hilarious moments. And also, this music is great. So thank you so much for giving some Aww. love to Only Beast. Really appreciate that and hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, he, when he messaged me, he just said he spent a day binge listening to episodes 16 through 18, <laughs> which he just couldn't help because hanging out with you and Abe and Liz and Koo was just too cool. And so, yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you listened. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And keep the comments coming. Yeah. Um, hold on. Wait. I want to see what 16 through 18 are. Reading Hellboy comics and oh. talking with uh, your friends. It's when... Um, uh, <laughs> oh, man. It's all the good shit. It's the dead. dead the war on and frogs, frogs and the black flame. Yep. Yeah, so he's in the good shit right now. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, well, it's all good shit, but that's like... Yeah, I mean, the, that's the, a good the, story. The Guy right? Davis stuff is so good. And it's, you know, I mean, that's like leading up to Roger's death. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And now we're going to get into our book club for the week. Yay! This week we're talking about Abe Sapien, The Drowning. This story was published as a five-issue miniseries from February to June 2008, and this was the first solo series for Abe. Written by Mignola, art by Jason Sean Alexander, and we last saw him on They That Go Down in the Sea in Ships. Do you remember that story? Yeah, that was a good one. Colors by Dave Stewart, and... Letters by Clem Robbins. Yeah. I'm very happy to start off the story because the first thing we get is a ship and a sea shanty. Yeah, it's good. It's sea, sea shanty, shanty times. Time. So we hear They're uh, back. More sea shanties. Uh. We've got more of your quality sea shanty content right here at the Hellboy Book Club podcast for sea shanties. You got it. Back to you, John. Did you find this one too? I, I you know, I couldn't find a sea shanty version of it. I could only find like folk versions of it. Oh right. And no. so I but I found a really good one and I'll post it. One day we're gonna have to actually just do one ourselves. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just make our own sea shanty. That would be great. Somebody write us a sea shanty to put at the intro. That yeah, would be somebody great. write us a Hellboy Book Club sea shanty. <laughs> so we hear you gentlemen of England. It's a well-known sea song of the 17th century, perhaps better known by the last line, While the Stormy Winds Do Blow. It first appeared in 1686. You gentlemen of England who live at home at how little do you dream about the dangers on the sea so give unto us mariners and we will plainly show all our fears and our cares when the stormy winds do blow and this scene is lovingly painted by Alexander. His work is really awesome. And so I was reading a little bit about his process. He just did like these really rough light pencils. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like very, just kind of scratchy, kind of vague loose. pencil. Yeah, very okay. loose. And then he just did the inks over it. So the inks are like the main the part actual, of the work. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like he's painting That's it. That's how he gets know? that sketchy painting yeah. work. Yeah. And we see this blimp. It has. I the, was gonna say, there's a fucking blimp. Yeah, it has the flag of the United Kingdom it's a on British it. British blimp over here. Well, is it a blimp or a dirigible? It's a blimp. That's a zeppelin. What's a dirig? What is a dirigible? 
pre-blimp. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's a pre-blimp. It might be. I don't know. I, I don't really know. I should have done some more research into that. And we see this guy come down from the blimp and he boards the ship. And once on board the ship, the man sees all these dead bodies. Gross. And he pulls his gun as he starts to enter the cavern. So when he pulled his guns, did you already know who he was? I figured it out, but no. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. Uh, so we're, we're going to learn that this is uh, Sir Edward Gray, right? Yeah. Well, I like how he Witch jumped. Witchfinder. <laughs> Witchfinder. <laughs> I like when he jumps off of the uh, ladder onto the ship, the way he just has that nice action hero pose land. Yeah, it's he almost, really does. He's he got does... kind of a Keanu Reeves look to him there. Yeah. It's hard on the knees. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I really like this. You know, we had Vampire last week, and this week we have this one in. They're both kind of like these artsy kind yeah. of not a lot of dialogue. We're like in the indie film of the Hellboy universe, <laughs> yeah. you know, these last couple of weeks. It's been well, really yeah, nice. I mean, you turn the page and I have no fucking idea what's going on. Right. <laughs> I am freaked out beyond words for this next panel. He kicks down the door and he encounters this really strange scene. So describe this. I mean, what are, what are we looking at here? It, there's a bunch of little goblin men with words on them one of them is glowing like a lantern and floating they are hovering over a corpse who also has words on his torso it's very fucking weird yeah and they're like these little monk looking guys right oh are they i didn't get the monk impression so i I, just thought they were little troll dudes i got kind of a monk impression but more of a troll impression but i'm all like i got some what are they you got some writing right you guys need some paper they're wearing like (laughs) bathrobes that need some paper for sure (laughs) so in this story they're referred to as devils in the sketchbook they're described as by mignola as monks okay and um i think they're more like kind of warlock devil things or something like that and What's really cool, uh, we'll talk about this later when we look at the sketchbook, but Mignola designed all these guys. He provided the sketches, and he named all of them, so they're all different, and (laughs) they all have different powers. So one is Dragon Guy. The one that's floating and glowing is Lantern Guy. Lantern Guy. There's Iron Hand Guy, Lightning Guy, Shadow Guy, and the Leader. Okay. And so I think the Leader is the one that's above the body. Right. And so we'll see the rest of these guys later, but... It, he sketches them all out in the sketchbook and he puts the names under them and I like how they're just dragon guy, lantern guy, iron hand guy. It's really These great. These guys are weird and gross. I like how Edward Gray just goes all John Wick he on just him and starts just to, yeah. bam, bam, bam. <laughs> right? Oh, like yeah. He does yeah. look like Keanu in this scene. It right. is, and it's like right in headshots too. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And He doesn't pause. He just starts shooting. Yep. Exactly. And one thing I want to point out here is there's this one that's glowing, right? And it's like kind of like blown up a little He's bit, lantern like guy. A, yeah. And then Ed Gray, when he shoots that one, then there's this big explosion. Yeah. Right. And so there's this big flash of one light of that hits the ship. One of them has a snake on his yeah, chest. Yeah, that's a that's a the leader dragon guy, dragon boy. Yeah. All right. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. The ship explodes. Foosh. Yeah, and and Ed Gray goes flying back. And then at the last minute, you know, one of these guys pops up and Ed Gray just shoots him. I like how he obscures his own war cry with his axe. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good effect. Oh, yeah. You're totally right. I love that. I didn't, I didn't even notice that until right now. And Ed Gray goes into the wreckage and he finds this blade. Mystical dagger time. Yeah, it's a golden knife. And I'm pretty sure we've seen this knife before, but I couldn't find it. I was looking in the 1940s stories whenever they show Broom's office. I was looking in the Witchfinder stories. I I have a feeling we've seen it here before, so I'm hoping Jerry Turnbull or somebody will come in and, <laughs> and show me where, where you know it was. You know they will. See, I thought that same thought, but then, like, you know, we've read so many, I just, like, 
I just was like, okay, it's probably something. Well, there was one story. There, there was one story where actually Danielle said, "Is that the knife that Johan stole?" Right, and, and I it was, wasn't. No. But I think it was this knife. Right. Ah. Yeah, but I couldn't find what episode that was or what issue that was. But anyway. And then some scary stuff's going on. There's a guy writing some sigils in his own blood, of course. There yes. wouldn't be this kind of a story without that. One of oh, these yeah. monk guys that's on the ground. And then Edward Gray has this magic knife and he's standing over the guy, the dead guy with the in the it's it's a scene, man. Yeah, and he stabs the he stabs it all the way through through the bottom of the casket. Oh. You see the knife coming down the bottom. Just as this guy finishes painting this sigil, all of a sudden the ship runs aground at the same time. And again, this is paced over many pages. It's just very kind of beautiful and wordless scene. You all get a lot of motion too in the uh, when yeah. it's while it's crashing on the next page. It's very looks like you feel like you're going through a shipwreck. Exactly. And I like how when he stabs him, and then that last drop comes. Yeah. Hits, it's like it's like he stabs right as that drop is. Like, yeah. Sure. You can kind of sort of like see it in your head just fall and very cinematic and it's it's so much is conveyed in the artwork but you could miss it if you're not ready to settle in for something like that. sure yeah i think the first time i read this i was kind of flipping through and i was like no wait let me go back yeah let me get settled and actually read it and go through and then after i i settled in for that the storytelling was much more i had a similar experience yeah i I think so was able to soak it in a little better gray is thrown aside and then we see the ship sinking and Gray is still on it. And we just see it go down, uh, sink into the bottom of the... It's off the coast of France, so it's probably the ocean, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Sinks into the ocean. And now for something completely different. We're going to argue about bureaucracy <laughs> in an office. Guys with suits and ties just yeah. arguing about red tape. Well, so, it, well, it's been almost 100 years. Yeah. This is where we've gotten yeah. to in 100 years. <laughs> but we get to see the uh, the from... Fairfield headquarters, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. we're at the Fairfield office. And Manning and another agent debate on whether it's a good idea to send Abe on a solo mission. And I wonder if this is almost like the writers, too, almost going like, is this a good idea to do an Abe Sapien series? Well, then also it reminded me of um, that first time they were going to take Roger out. Oh, yeah. Being human. That's a great parallel. Yeah. Always like, no, he's ready. And they're like, whoa, I'm Manning and I don't like anything. I never liked that fucking guy. (laughs) That guy is just the He's the worst. And they talk about how many times Abe's been on a mission with Hellboy. And if Hellboy was there, it would be too easy of a mission for him anyway. And so Broom comes in and he says they'll send him with Van Fleet, a former Navy SEAL. And they'll also send Pratt and Hampton as backup. And why does Manning go, it's your call, Professor? Because Broom, I guess, is the head guy. He's still the guy. Before, you know, because Manning doesn't become the head guy until after Broom dies. Yeah. So I think that's how, that's the chain of command. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to just be clear on that. And then after the UN thing, Manning just kind of splits and then now it's Kate. (laughs) She becomes the main guy. Which is good though. Yeah, which is good, which is better. Uh, Hellboy's gone. He's gone. He left. Oh, yeah. And now we have to move on and we have to treat Abe Sapien like a guy instead of not a guy. Right. He says he's not a pet gentleman. He's a man. And we also learn that Hellboy took a leave of absence to travel with archaeologist Anastasia Bronzefield. Anastasia. Anastasia Bronzefield. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just being silly. (laughs) Well, I like how in... uh... It's uh, Trevor says like Hellboy's been gone more than a year. We have no idea when he'll be back. And then a little footnote: he comes back in eighty one. Oh yeah, <laughs> so he, he's back in like a couple of months, or maybe even like the next day. <laughs> 
I like Abe's uh, room here where we cut over to Abe's room. He's got his tank. He's got all his books and yeah. stuff. I like that. That's a nice callback on Hollow Earth. Yeah. We saw that he had a large library that he was packing up when he was thinking about quitting. And before we turn the page and see who is coming in there, I thought this was very rude. But I was like, who is this rude motherfucker touching his water while he's asleep? That's that's invasion of personal space. But then you turn the page and it's little... Little tiny teenager Liz, kind of. Yeah. Right? And so I think that that's cute, actually, because, you know, it shows that they have a friendship, more intimate relationship, and right. she does she feels comfortable kind of being very uh, cheeky. Oh, okay. She's kind of like, hey, wake up, sleepyhead <laughs> over here. I can do this because we're cool. So before I turned the page, I was like, oh, I'm not on board with this. Turn the page. Oh, it's Liz. Okay. That's okay. Uh, now that you mentioned that was a teenager, yeah, that is. She's actually, a teenager. Well, she's actually nineteen because she was born in sixty-two. Okay, yeah, so yeah. she's nineteen, so almost yeah. twenty, so yeah. you yeah. know, almost not a teenager. You know, but I had a different reading on that. I thought that was that was kind of cute that she did that. I did think it was I very think, cute. I, I would think like if it was rude, they would bang on the side of the thing, boom, boom, yeah. right, or whatever. Right. But I thought this was just like a little bloop. I like, do, I like, do think hey. it's super cute. As soon as I saw who it was, as soon as I saw that it was Liz, I was like, oh, that's adorable. Well, see. I have to agree with John. I didn't think it was anything bad, uh, <laughs> even before I turned the page. But, um, yeah, because I feel like, you know, if it had been Manny, he probably would have kicked the tank or something like that. Because <laughs> I guess it's kind of like that whole friends and family boundary. Sure. Mm-hmm. If it's a total stranger, I was like, I don't want your dirty fucking hands in my water. I'm breathing this, you know? Gross. Gross. But if it's someone you know, you're going to... You're not going to mind if they kiss you on the cheek or hug you or right. you can drink after them. It's kind of one of those like okay. social boundaries, I guess. I don't know. I guess it's the little things they get stuck on in these stories. That's funny. Like the choices that I the like characters that. make are very, that's a very Liz thing to do. That's very yeah. um, droll, I think, of her. Anyway. And she tells Abe that they were buzzing him. I told them I need a speaker in the tank, Abe responds. <laughs> what did I tell you, man? They're cheap, she says. And she tells him that the professor wants to see him. Sounds like a job. They could put something on the side of the outside of the tank that would vibrate. Sure, maybe. yeah. Or even a speaker that's like on the yeah, outside I mean, of yeah. the tank. Water is a very good conductor of sound. That's why you don't tap on your fish bowls. Yeah, because that would, that would hurt those fishies. And Abe, he seems like he's apprehensive to go, but... Liz convinces him to just go see the professor. I really like Alexander's character designs for Abe and For Abe. And I thought Liz. it was an interesting yeah. choice. I don't know. It's a little different than what I'm used to. It took me a little bit to get used to it. But yeah, I mean, he's obviously a very good artist. And he's a little younger, too. I think this is a little bit of a younger You think younger he's trying to depict Abe. him as being younger. Yeah, this panel where he's, she says, we'll talk later. And he goes, okay. And yeah, that's just cute. his face right there is very yeah. kind of like an innocent kind of still... Yeah. fresh guy or whatever i don't know well i mean and uh he was only um rescued in like or discovered in 78 and then when did what year did hellboy pull him out of the tank oh yeah 79 so right. yeah so, he's relative he's relatively only been with the bprd for two years and most of that yeah. right yeah he probably was in the tank yeah good point there aubrey thank you for that and abe goes to meet with the professor and the first thing he does is give him this picture and he says do you know who this is Abe does. He knows that it's Edward Gray. And I think we've seen this picture before. I know Mignola has done a version of this. I think it was in the first Witchfinder trade. Abe's like, British occult detective, special agent to Queen Victoria. And the professor's impressed by this. He could never get Hellboy to crack the books. Uh-huh. I always thought that was a little funny moment. Yeah. I like reading that. I'm like, oh, that's right. Hellboy doesn't give a crap about that. <laughs> but Abe's pretty studious. It's cute. I like the little comment even. He goes, good lad. Yeah, but then he goes on this whole thing. He was like, I couldn't get Hellboy to crack the books, and now he's off with his woman. Yeah, (laughs) that's... that's... 
Who knows if he's even coming back? He's, I one, just, of, he's one of those dads. He starts going off, and then Abe. He even has. He even has this one where he's like, "Sir," like he's like, "Wait a minute, what are we Come talking on, about man. here? Are we venting about Hellboy or what?" And Vroom's like, "Sorry, Abraham. Have you ever heard of Epke Vrooman?" And so he explains Epke Vrooman, a Dutch warlock. He was tried in Holland in 1883, but when they put the noose around his neck, he turned into a bundle of sticks and blew away. Nice. Oh, Abe says. <laughs> Abe's, Abe's got the best response. Oh. And I love this little panel at the bottom where we just see all these sticks flying through the air. Yeah, man. I would have been like, awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm on board with this so far. And so Broom explains that they found some of Gray's journals. While most of it is illegible, they find references to Vrooman and this ship that he was supposedly on. Gray stabbed him with one of these Lipu daggers. And so Broom really wants this dagger, right? He doesn't really say why. He right. just like, I thought this was kind of interesting because he's like, all my years and I've never even heard of someone actually seeing one till well, now. So it's almost like he just wants him to go retrieve this collectible. Well, you, no, 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 no. You got That's, kind of a yeah. little bit of a background. He says, from Lipu Monastery in Tibet around 300 BC. Story goes, one day a bronze statue of a oh, Hindu goddess for- Durga told one of the monks to make these weapons specifically for the killing of demons. He made 10 of them, one for each of her bronze arms. I think... Yeah. He's looking at that as something that could they, really they help use. them. They can use yes. that as a technology. Thank you for mentioning that. And thank you for mentioning Durga. So Durga was the same goddess that Otabenga called yeah. upon to make that flaming sword, yeah. remember? Mm-hmm. So I like this kind of callback too. And so he had the flaming sword, so then it would make sense that there's a dagger That's too. That's right yeah. in his wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. But you're right. I do feel like he does kind of want it to go into like his collection because he has a vast collection of cool stuff sure yeah right, but i don't think that stuff is just there right to be, oh i think that he's this is to use yeah or to yeah. make sure that other people can't sure fucking use exactly it. probably so, probably more on the not other people not using yeah, it. yeah it's aspect. probably on a, either a safeguarding yeah. thing or he's like look we need this or i can't defeat this horrible demon that we have on this other mission that's killing people like maybe he needs it for a or, another mission or something and and while it's not in use it'll look nice in this display case <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would be. That's totally how I would be. Anyway, maybe I'm just projecting myself onto this guy. But so Abe, basically, Abe needs to go down into this wreckage. They found the wreckage of the ship from the journal. It's 60 miles off the coast of France. And Abe is going to recover the dagger and the remains of Vrooman if possible. Gray must have believed Vrooman was something special, Broom says. Because he even mentions it because he has a Lipu dagger. Like maybe that's something that could turn the tide right. on something he's working sure, on. You sure. know, I don't know. Yeah, now that you mention it, I really like your your read on it. Yeah. It's 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 much better than mine. Because they don't have they don't have just one mission going at a time. They've got all these missions yeah. going on at the same time, and maybe they're like, God. You know, that would really fucking help me out if I could kill this fucking demon over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do like this transition, how it goes from, like, the uh, old-timey, you know, like, 1884 scene of the island, and then you go into and it's definitely oh, modern day. Oh, yeah. With the sailboats and everything around. And it. I just noticed there's a carving right here that says E.G. You see that? Um, where it transit on the previous page. <gasps> oh, snap. Ed Gray, yeah. yeah. I just noticed that right now. On the bottom of page 27. Oh, that's really cute. I really like that. I just noticed that. It's like, while I'm I'm stuck on this rock, I might as well tag it. (laughs) (laughs) He's hanging on that rock waiting for that blimp. And and he's carved his initials. Sure. Jeez. By the way, if you're listening to this, don't do that. 
Don't do that in natural. Oh yeah, don't in, do that in parks and stuff. Please don't do that. It's horrible. It's okay for a comic book character to do it. He's not real. Don't <laughs> go to national parks and do that. I will fucking find you and kick your ass. But you can tag a city building. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely should do graffiti. It's not complicated. If it's natural, if it's a rock or a tree, or leave it alone. If it's something man-made and you're not covering up someone else's art, definitely graffiti at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Abe goes over to St. Sebastian. So this is a real place in France, but it's not an island. Um, but it does have a coastal region. And so I was looking at some pictures of it. And it does kind of look like this at the bottom of page 27, where those houses okay. are all kind cool. of stacked, you know what right. I mean, on top of each other. It's mm-hmm. really beautiful. Alexander does a really beautiful job on rendering St. Sebastian. And we kind of see that it's like a fishing town, right? I also want to give a shout out to the mighty Dave Stewart where his beautiful colors throughout this. Oh whole yeah, thing so far. yeah. And I do want to say if you don't follow Jason Sean Alexander on Instagram, you gotta check him out. He's always posting really cool stuff and he's got a great account. Very muted palette yeah. for this scene. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. We cut over to Pratt and Hampton. And they observe Abe and Van Fleet through the binoculars. I like this panel where Abe is giving them a thumbs up right before yeah. he goes into the water. And there's know? that EG again. Oh, yeah, he's standing right there. That's where the ship probably went down. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. You can kind of smell the salt yeah. in the air. Yeah. We have this page where Pratt and Hampton are talking. I really like this dialogue. They're like, oh, they're down there at least an hour. What do you want to do? Do, did you look at this place? Where's the worst place they ever sent you? Estonia, a guy ate his wife. He claimed to be from the center of the earth, but it turned out he was just crazy. Jeez. You? Oakdale, California, summer, no air conditioning, three weeks watching a kid cough up toy trains and screwdrivers. What? You win. <laughs> toy trains and screwdrivers? Now, what do you want to do? And as they're having this conversation, we see this like creepy, ominous w- looking woman in the window watching them. Uh oh. And then Abe's diving under the water with the Navy SEAL guy. Van Fleet. Van yeah. Fleet. And this lady. She's no good. She's talking about Anun, Un, Agut, <laughs> and we all know what that means. That's the language of the... That's uh, kind of frog language. Yeah, And so she's speaking this language into this carving. It kind of looks like a squid. And then just and of then, course, tentacles. a big squid comes and grabs Abe. It's kind of cutting back and forth between Abe and Van Fleet and then also this creepy old woman. And she's got like these other carvings of other sea life and they're kind of floating around her in a circle it kind of reminds me of liz with those uh frogs or whatever around her i like this uh big eel yeah and so we see one of an eel and then just then an eel comes out and grabs van fleet right is that a moray eel yeah yeah it kind of looks like that Mm. moray eels are fucking dope yep (laughs) and this art is just really awesome i mean there's a lot of motion conveyed i like how the eel kind of wraps itself around Van Fleet and then drags him to the ground. She continues talking in this language, and then all of a sudden something interrupts her and says, no, not now, not yet. And we see Van Fleet crash through the wreckage of the ship. And then we have like a flashback here, but they don't tell you immediately that it's a flashback, so it's kind of like... Were they checking on him already? (laughs) Right, so it kind of confused me at, at first when I was reading this, but... We get a flashback. This is before the mission. They're all in the helicopter, and they're talking about St. Sebastian. St. Sebastian was an early Christian saint and martyr. According to traditional belief, he was killed by being tied to a post or a tree and shot with arrows, though this did not kill him. 
He was, according to tradition, rescued and healed by St. Irene of Rome, and then later he was clubbed to death. In historical times, he was regarded as a saint with a special ability to intercede to protect from plague, and devotion to him greatly increased when plague was active. And that's kind of what they're talking about here. Oh, how um, he was popular in the 1300s during the, yeah. the Black Death. Yeah. And this agent... Plague saint. The agents learned that the island was a leper colony until a fire wiped out everything. While the place was burning, a priest's ghost appeared on fire in a cathedral in Angolum, which is a real cathedral open in 1100, and delivered a sermon. Yikes, one of them says. Yeah. Wait, for 45 minutes right. of being kind and less... Be kind to your less fortunate brothers. Right. That's like the last thing I expected them to say. It's just like, okay, burning priest, delivering a sermon about just being a cool dude. No, right. And treating people good. And then I like t- the phrase, uh, plague saint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just like that phrase. And we turn the page and we see this awesome rendition of it. Like, if the description wasn't enough, then we also see Alexander kind of draw this priest on fire. I like how he's got his arms out and everything. It's like something you'd see at a ghost show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bewitch you. Sorry. Right after that, the French government built a very expensive church over it. One of the agents says it's to ensure the burning ghost priest is happy. Maybe he goes to heaven, or at the very least, you give him his own church to haunt. Now it's just an old fishing village. Van Fleet says to Abe, you know what that means, boring. This is what you're going to find hanging out with us. Hellboy's the guy who sees all the action. With him, it's all werewolves and zombies and (laughs) flying heads all the time. With us... Nine times out of ten, we don't see a damn thing. I bet and this guy's wishing he <laughs> he wasn't... Uh, he wishes one of those nine times. Seeing some action, yeah. Right, and then it cuts right over to him being dragged down by this eel. I really yeah. <laughs> That's very ironic. You knew that he wasn't long for this world. Anytime they introduce like a brand new like agent like who's been in the field for a while, he was an ex-Navy SEAL, you know he's dead within, the, <laughs> within yeah. a few panels. I was just two days from retirement. Uh, the eel slams Van Fleet down to the sea floor, and all this mist starts to rise up. We see a bunch of other skeletons around Van Fleet, and he's fucking dead, right? It looks like he's dead here. Well, then the lady was like, nah, never mind. Right. Just joshing you. <laughs> yeah, so then the, the squid releases Abe, but he sees this mist rising from the ocean floor off in the distance. Would it be mist or would it be more like silt? Yeah, whatever it is, we kind of just well, see it's like a... Well, then it starts like to come cl- up uh, over the water, too. Yeah, so... Like smoke. Ah, yeah, we see that it's definitely. rising into the air as well. And the scary, ominous lady, she watches from her window. It's probably magical rather than organic, I guess. Yeah. If it's doing yeah, that. Good point, good point. Yeah. I knew it would happen someday, she says. I thought I would be ready. And she turns and there's this other guy with her. You know what to do, she tells him. He's a creepy creepster guy. Yeah, he's a... Well, we'll reveal who he is in a little bit. And so we look over and we see this like old casket lying there. And he picks it up and he's like, I'll keep it safe. You just take it to the place like I showed you, she said. They will not be able to go there. We also see Pratt and Hampton and they're watching the mist rise as well. Maybe this is not going to be as boring as we thought, they say. So that guy heads off, and then she's like, all right, you go now. Yeah. And then so in the streets, it's all yellow now because of that weird mist. Yeah, and this guy says, good God, where does this damn fog come from? And we hear this, uh, there's this narration here. I think this is being said by the woman. She says, and now you devils come to me. I know what you are after, but you will not find it. 
I've done my best to guard your grave, but I knew someday some fool would set you free. I have been waiting. I have dreaded your coming, but I am not afraid. Here come those guys. Yeah, I cannot save my people, not their bodies and not their souls, for I know the source of their power. But I have power also, and mine is greater, so devils come to me. And while all this is being said, we see her son running off with the casket, Abe discovers Van Fleet dead, and these devil guys start to come out of the mist into the town, these little monk guys. They approach the townspeople who have succumbed to the mist, and they take these green moths out of their mouths. Yeah, well, there's like a glowing in the dead yeah. people's mouths, and he, like one of the guys reaches in and pulls out, yeah, like a glowing green moth yeah almost like a carving of a moth i guess right and And he puts it in his mouth puts it in his own mouth he like shows all the guys and he puts it in his own mouth right it's very fucking interesting and it's just a really cool fucking page well see i was thinking it wasn't more like a carving more so something more like uh the real energy or something oh yeah because it's like they're passing their their right spirit into the sure from this decaying corpse into the new host right no yeah that's that's pretty cool it's like made of an of some kind of an energy yeah 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 yeah, yeah, absolutely and it kind of reminds me of sometimes we've seen souls symbolized by birds yeah you know flying out and stuff like that right so they're eating those yeah and also abe comes up and he discovers pratt and hampton dead we see one of these devil guys in the streets they don't look like devils but that's what that lady calls them so that's what i'm that's what i'm i guess they're like little goblin monks yeah this one has green eyes and he takes out a candle and then he puts his finger to the wick and a green flame alights and he sits in front of it and it makes this shadow start growing, right? This yeah. is Shadow Guy. It's shadow shadow guy. Guy's shadow is growing taller and his the candle's floating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of good imagery here. Yeah. I really like this effect of the shadow kind of getting longer and longer and moving over the different building. It's, it kind of finds the woman, right? So yeah. we cut over to the woman. She's praying for forgiveness. She didn't mean to kill all the people. She was supposed to protect them. Here comes but, the shadow. But she was too afraid of those devil guys. And as she's praying, that shadow comes into her room, and we also see her idol. And so this idol is full of all this sea imagery, like right? Starfish and some shells in there. Yeah, a regular fish. And the woman holding a fish. Yeah. And I really like this effect because we see the statue, and then it's and then in the next panel, the statue is all dark. Yeah. Right. The shadows coming over the statue too. And then we we just see this big evil shape with these long fingers behind the woman. Crunch. Oh, right? man. That's not a good time. So then Abe Sapien is like, what the fuck's going on here? What's What the fuck? Everyone's dead. Yeah. I got to call the bureau. So he's like, hey, can anyone hear me? There's definitely an emergency going on. <laughs> We cut over to the son, or the guy that was with the old woman, and he he was in an underground tunnel, and he came up inside this cathedral. Uh-oh. And Abe is still trying to raise the bureau. And then uh, who's this shadowy guy in the mist? And he says, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. And then you turn the page, it's Hellboy. Yeah, so he has this vision of Hellboy here, and Hellboy is like telling him, what made you think you were ready for this? The professor should have known better. And you do know better. You should have said no. These people might still be alive. Jeez. Well, we know that we know it's not Hellboy because right. Hellboy wouldn't say those things. Right. He wouldn't be a total dick like that. But you know, it looks like fucking Hellboy. Yeah. So if you're Abe, you're like, oh shit. And then he also sees Broom and Liz yeah. too. Yeah. And Broom says, why weren't you the first one into that wreck? And then Abe remembers Van Fleet. And then Liz is like, they trusted you. They were my friends. How could you let this happen? And so Abe is like, 
seeing these vision and i really love this these panels on 54 where he's like hellboy after that thing in china you told me these kind of things happen in this line of work it's nobody's fault and hellboy says it's always somebody's fault and he's like no it wasn't mine he throws his walkie but i just love the way alexander draws abe in these panels it's very oh, yeah. expressive yeah. i could almost see an actor you know performing this uh this piece right here sure yeah it's very uh it's one of those messing with your heads you yeah. let us die exactly and you know roger had a moment i was like just that. about to bring yeah. that yeah, up roger. Yeah. in night train <laughs> i love that stuff he had a he had a vision of all of them telling him like how could you let this happen to Liz? And then they, they actually take the power out of him yeah. Yeah. And, and leave him as a just uh, empty homunculus again. But what this does is it causes Abe to throw his walkie and it breaks against the wall. I you love know this what very, I mean? It's kind of a very Hellboy response too. He just goes, damn. Yeah. <laughs> and it also alerts all these devil monk dudes where he is because they hear that too. One lantern dude. Yeah. Um, so back to the guy the creepy creepster dragging the coffin around yeah so he's got the coffin and he takes it into he's got it in the cathedral those guys are trying to come in and he says you can't come in here right Right. he said my mother said nothing bad can happen here this is a good place so you can't come in but it looks like they can come in just fine right yeah they're like uh no we're 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 totally coming in. maybe (laughs) it was they can't go in while that lady is alive so they had to kill her maybe because she was keeping it a place where they can't yeah and they yeah (laughs) that's the word i'm looking for and they approach this guy who had the coffin and it just says swack yikes so he got injured or something well it looks like a shadow man is uh got him there too they got they're working him today he's he's working today he, he was he slacked off when Edward showed up, and that's how they all ended up at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> so he's got to make he's got to do double make it sure, up, yeah. yeah, do triple duty. <laughs> and we see Abe; he's in front of the statue of Saint Sebastian. So he's still getting these. I guess he's still hearing these voices. It's got like this self doubt. It's almost yeah. like his self doubt yeah. is talking to him and telling him that he can't handle it. He's not ready. And he's talking back. He, well, I guess we'll see. Comes across this very creepy fucking statue yeah. with just stakes all through it. Those are all the arrows and stakes that he was stabbed with, yeah. And so I, th- I, I think actually this is where the issue... Let's talk about this a little bit because I think this is actually where the issue breaks to the second issue. And unlike other stories that we've read in the Omnibus, they don't put the artwork between the right. story. Right. And I kind of think that's an interesting choice. And I was thinking about it in the way the story is laid out and how it's just kind of like we talked about, it's very kind of mm. stylized, not a lot of dialogue. I wonder if they thought that broke it up too much. So they just didn't put the chapter okay, breaks sure. in there. I thought, I thought I thought that was an interesting choice. Most of the time when we were looking at the omnibuses, they have the artwork in the What's middle. What's the same person who's always edited it? Yeah. So that makes me think that there was a reason why right. they did that. But Honestly, I wouldn't have known that this was a chapter break had you, just, had you not just told me that. Sure. Because it really just looks like, all right, cool and the next right and i think that that's the the intent is to make the story just flow a little better although i wouldn't have minded it yeah i would have although now that you mention it like you know it's like damn and then the next scene is like saint sebastian and then it's like right yeah Yeah. either way it's great yeah it is and we'll talk about the covers later but abe he sees these little green like flashes in the air they're like little puffs yeah tiny little and they have a little sound effect they're like they're just these tiny little, almost fluffy, made of air. Just yeah. Little. 
And they're so small and light, you would hardly even think they're there. And then as soon as they barely touch the ground, this huge, yeah, phew, this giant brand. It's a, the the actual thing is bram, yeah, on the page. So it's this very loud sound and a lot of movement and motion. And um, this uh, artist is this is hard to draw. Is smoke right? It's oh, yeah. a very hard fucking thing to draw, like explodey smoke. I don't know. <laughs> so I guess Dave Stewart is helping out there a lot with the color, right? Too, yeah. And there's something about the pacing of this that. because the the pacing of this is in a way where it's like whenever Abe starts to get his footing, there's more. Another one will and hit the ground. And it just keeps like yeah. it. It just it's it's like he can never get the momentum to yeah. get up. They, Almost like a yeah. dandelion puff, but as soon as it touches the right. ground, it just fucking explodes. And so we see one of these monk guys. He's throw, he's dropping all these little. What's his name? Is he? Which one is this one? Iron Hand guy, Lightning guy, Shadow guy, and the leader. Maybe this is Lightning, lightning guy. guy. Oh, it's Little Lightnings. Maybe that's oh, what it is. Okay. It's very. Um, I like that it's very Mignola esque. The shapes when you get a up close look at them coming from his hand. Yeah. yeah. Very Mignola esque. Yeah, it is. You're absolutely right about that. And these, yeah, they so just keep going off of Bram, Bram, Bram. Yeah, he Bram. just keeps getting blown up by these things. Yeah. My nephew's name is Bram. <laughs> <laughs> And back in the cathedral, the son is unconscious. This guy, he's kind of knocked out. And the devils have Vrooman's body. They're getting ready to take the knife out. Gross. And all this is really well paced. I really like this moment where they're like kind of, they look at the knife and then they all kind of like talk to each other. They have other. a weird little discussion. Yeah. yeah. And then they kind of reach for it. And then Abe is still getting blown up by these things outside. There's more green mist with the St. Sebastian statue. And then we see one of them finally comes up to grab the knife. And I love the contrast yeah. here in the panels. He immediately yeah. gets burned up and it's just like his hand <laughs> hanging like, there yeah. on the knife. I really <laughs> like that. And I, it, the humor too while they all just kind of look at each other like uh what yeah. the fuck just happened yeah well, that was like you said it was very intense just the most intense fire yeah you, the sense of movement of with the fire blowing back from the knife is very cool yeah and it was also cool you know because it's a, a demon killing knife uh, <laughs> right yeah as soon as he touches it you know i mean like it doesn't mean just the blade demon right, guy. right right yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah i like that that guy that's been attacking abe he starts to fly away when this happens, and Abe grabs him. He figures out that's where it's coming from. Too. Yeah. yeah. And he starts swinging him wildly, <laughs> and in all the mist of the green bombs and all this stuff, he doesn't see that he threw him right into the statue of St. Sebastian, impaling him. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't mean to do that. But his self-doubt is still talking to him, and it's like, sure you did. It's all right. You don't know anything more than you did a minute ago, but you killed the bad guy. You saved your own life. That's the important thing, right? And this guy, uh, this monk thing just starts to like disintegrate and crumble. And he sees another one running by. So he's like, you there, stop. And he runs after it and he corners it in the alley. And then this is um, Dragon Guy. He's got kind of a tattoo man yeah. thing going on. Yeah, he's got a tattoo of this eel monster and it starts to like come out of his chest at Abe. And then so I like this. Abe's just looking at it and then we cut to just Abe running out of the alley <laughs> with his giant monster behind him, this yeah. giant eel thing. That's a good that's a good uh transition. It yeah. really was. <laughs> this action as they're doing all this. So like does Abe grab a piece of the debris and throw it at this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Might I thought as that well. was pretty cool. Improvising yeah. in the field. So while this is going on with Abe 
back in the cathedral, this other guy, the son, they're like writing stuff on his body. The and other he's, month, I guess, still alive. Yeah, and he's like, "No, yeah. you can't do this." He's like begging them not to do it. Yeah, and, and back with Abe, and I just love all this. He's just trying to get away from yeah. it. Like he's just trying to run it's from it. A lot of it. action. And here. there's a lot of good motion. Abe runs into this building and he tries to shut the door on the monster, and it's just booming on the outside. And he's like, Hellboy would know what to do. And just then, the radio starts beeping. So he picks up his radio. It's all broken from when he threw it at the well, wall Well, the case earlier. is broken, but the wires are still yeah. intact. You can see he actually drew all that detail in there. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of the guys from the headquarters. They're trying to call in. and then, But as soon as Abe gets the walkie, that thing booms the door again, and he drops it. And it goes down this sewer grate. Made me think God. of that Seinfeld joke where he's, she's like, uh, she's like, throw me down the key or something. Like that. And he's like, you will, you'll, he's you'll like, drop it. You're not gonna catch it. It'll go into the sewer or something. And then later he throws her like a, she's like, well, I'm hungry. Throw me something. So he throws her like a, some sort of granola bar or something. It went into the sewer. It went into the sewer. It's <laughs> <laughs> all that. Anyway, I thought of that stupid thing when no, I, when good. I got to this panel. It, it's just kind of funny how like he has it and it's boom and it's like. Hang on, I dropped it, and it's like not. Ne- he's not next to the sewer. Yeah, yeah. He's like four he had to feet work away from at it. it. Yeah, he had to. He had to really work at getting that all the way over there. So did he throw it, or did no he? No fucking or idea. Did the, I, I thought his, his I thought hand the, motion looks like he threw it. Yeah, but I thought maybe the boom knocked oh, it. Oh sure, I'm not. I'm not really sure. But he just maybe, can't catch a break. I guess. I know, and. With the agents, they realize that the line has gone dead. So Broom's like, we need to get more agents out there. You had better get me on the flight as well. Well, no, because in the next page, he runs over to the sewer grate, fucking tears up the sewer grate, yeah. throws it at the monster, and jumps down the sewer hole, which right. gross. Very and gross. Any story where I see people jumping into the sewer or walking around in a fucking sewer, I'm like, no. <laughs> You're walking around in a river of shit. No. It's disgusting. Don't do that horrible but i like this this next panel with abe where he's underwater with real eels eels aren't living in a river of shit he falls down into that river and there's real eels in there and then he duck he goes above and then this giant monster eel is coming down and this page is just beautiful i would love to have just this page it's like a it's a work of art just on itself right so abe hops out of the water as the giant monster eel is coming in and then the uh, the regular eels start biting it, and then it turns into the eels are pulling down the monk oh, it turns guy. Into the guy. It turns back into dragon guy, and he gets pulled down by those eels. So I really like that. And then the lady is like, "Follow me," and the lady's back. Yeah. So is, is she ghost lady now? Yeah. She. I think that the, the, that's what the blue word bubbles symbolize. Yeah. I think She's maybe even lady. the sun or whatever. Sure. I think maybe he's dead. But his body's saying, "Don't do this." Because then or Abe goes and finds her body. Yeah. Yeah. So it it uh, this ghost of the woman it leads Abe to her own body. She's like, "I may be dead, but I'm not out of this fight." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then the old lady is saying, "Hey, I need you to be my hands. You know, right. I can't do the things I need to do while I'm dead. So you have to help me out." My mother promised that I would be able to go to the sea. That my spirit could go live in the sea forever and then we get this really beautiful uh, really pretty panel yeah of her living in the sea among all the happy sea creatures and it's really i really like this one a lot it's really yeah pretty. and i think those things are those idols that were circling around her yeah, it's a yeah. Little they painting. were shapes but now they're the actual animals and i think these are like little piranhas right yeah piranha eel squid and an it's octopus. a very pretty depiction here i like how the palette shifts right so yeah. it's kind of a more a warmer tone you know but then she says, ah, and death came too sudden. There are things to be done. Uh, they've come to take me to hell. 
and, and there's all, these all these birds are yeah, watching. Yeah, and they're like mm. outside, and you can see that they're all flapping around out there. They cannot come in yet, but my blood turns cold and my powers fail, and so much to be lost. Give me your hands, she tells Abe. We cut over to Abe. Well, first we get this exterior of this like yeah. old house, and it's so awesome. And we see there are tons of birds out there. All the birds These are coming crows, for her, I yeah. guess, right? It, but says it's ready. it says messengers of hell. And I, oh, come on, I have kind of a ah, <laughs> come on, that's a bit, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe the the devil just really likes birds, so he sends his bird army out. <laughs> yeah, the birds are just chilling. Oh yeah. <laughs> And we see, uh, so then we see it's Abe doing this, right? Abe is doing this ceremony over this body. That's the woman's body, right? And it's surrounded by candles and all this kind of, the same similar kind of writing those monks had. And Abe is speaking all this. He's just doing it though. Like that's what gets, like why are you involving yourself? Well, she has control of him. That's what I thought too. Oh, okay. She's controlling him. That's why she was like, give me your hands. Okay. Because she was like. I thought she was asking. No, I think she was like, look, I'm just. a favor. I think she's like, I'm just a spirit and my body's dead, but your body's alive and I need your hands. You know, that's what she was saying. Right. I thought that she was like, hey, do us a favor. Help me out. And I'm. I thought it was it was my impression that he's just like sure, right? I'll yeah. help you out and do some spells. I'll take time with out a language of my, I don't. Yeah, I'll take time out of this extremely crazy mission to help you. <laughs> well, no, it could be dangerous. Though, is what I'm saying. Oh, like, yeah. He doesn't right. know her intentions. Yeah, he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. But he knows that she's against those guys that have been attacking him too. Sure. So you know what I mean. The enemy and of my enemy is my sure. friend. And we kind of see that. As Abe is doing this spell, or she's doing this spell through him, birds the birds come the in, and they're hitting Abe, you know what I mean? But his body is not being, he's not being affected by it, because it's like, he's out of it, and he's just mm. speaking through the woman. Yeah, he's, you're right, he's not, he's not even there. She's saying, you are my shield and my armor. I love the tornado of eyes, Yeah, and yeah. birds that happen here, this is probably the coolest fucking panel in the entire book. Yeah, it is. It this is amazing panel. I really like that, and he even gets a vision of Hellboy going. What are you, what the hell are you doing, right? But he's not in control. It's it's a uh, it's the woman, and he even sees Liz as well. But it's not really them. No, I think yeah, I still think it's that self doubt that's been talking to yeah. him uh, throughout the story. And then suddenly, I guess they finish the spell, or it's the the conclusion of it, in this giant kind of force of this woman pops out and it kind of um it scares the bird tornado yeah and but eyes. but this panel is amazing too yeah. with this shape and then the three birds behind it and abe in the mm. middle being thrown back it's just really beautiful He's still talking this weird language yeah what a monumental amount of work yeah to just do a page like this but it tells the story properly which is what's important yeah and you get a close-up of the candles burned all the way down to right. nubbins yeah which is pretty cool and so right here we see on page 90, I think this is where her spirit comes out of Abe because she's like, you're free, go and hide yourself. And he's like, hide, I'm not going to hide. Who are those little guys? And this is where she says they're devils. Who are you? What's going on here? He says, the seed we have planted here will take time to grow. And what to do till then? What harm in telling? And who knows but me? My son's as dull as a stone. But if you live, maybe there's a warning in it. Rude. And so she tells Abe the story. She, you know, she talks about how the place burned down. And we learned about that earlier where they're in the helicopter. And she says, what could come of that? For evil is drawn to evil. Evil trade with evil neighbors. 
traffic and flesh, innocent blood spilled, and that blood spilled into those streets soaked into this earth, woke that sleeping plague, and made them all lepers again. And as of 1778, the French were importing approximately 13,000 Africans for enslavement to the French West Indies. Wilberforce's Slave Trade Act of 1807 abolished the slave trade in the British Empire, but it was not until the Slavery Abolition Act of 1833 that the institution finally was abolished, but on a gradual basis. So there is history of there being slaves in France and in these, these areas. Yeah. And, of course, Horrible. the effects of that are still being felt today in sure. societies oh. and cultures all around the world. And it also doesn't help that they don't teach it very well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the woman, she continues to explain to Abe, The ship stopped coming and the people cried to heaven to be saved. But who answered their prayers? The sea. He sent them his own child, as he had done of old at Leto and Babylon. She told them what they must do to save themselves. And they did. And so she tells them, and that's the that statue yeah, had the yeah, fish, yeah. right? So that's the statue. She says, drown your saints, rededicate your church to the sea. Jeez. And they were cured, the woman says, and always afterwards took their living from the sea. The girl was my mother who lived in the house a long time and died here giving birth to me. And your father, Abbas, all my life as I watched over these people, he has watched over me and some things he makes clear and some things are his mysteries. Why did he send that man to me? That I should keep him a secret and safe? And so we see that Vrooman's body washed up after the encounter with Ed Gray. It washed up and, and she found it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so we see her listening to it, listening to the casket as a little girl, and then we see her still listening to it as a older woman, and she's saying that it would tell her a story. And she also thought it was Epke Vrooman, but it was actually the spirit of Sedubara trapped inside of the first tribe of the first people, wizard and priest of the secret fire. Ah, by his art, he escaped destruction of Hyperborea. He went south to Atlantis, and there, by his craft, he made himself second only to her king. But, oh, poor Atlantis, those were her later days, and all her people worshipping the black goddess to the ruin of that most beautiful place. We, we learned that Hyperborea collapsed because they all kind of started worshipping the black goddess, and so we, we see here that the same thing happened to Atlantis. She says he was forced to flee again, this time with those six devils. And this illustration of the six devils yeah. here kind of reminds me of those monkeys with the no mask. Sure. Mm, right? That yeah. Daimyo kept seeing. He fled to Lemuria, birthplace of the human race, and there finally he died. But his creatures were prepared for this. He had created them for just this purpose, to carry his spirit, to find for him a new body in which to be born again. And so we see here that they kind of have his spirit in this golden chalice or golden urn. Mm -hmm. And we see that they pass it through all the years. So we see like an indigenous looking guy, an Egyptian looking guy, a Roman looking guy. And so his uh, Sedu Bera has been passed through all these different people to carry him down through the centuries. But they didn't know when they chose Vrooman that he had an enemy close behind him. They fled England by ship. They put their master spirit into Vrooman, but before they could wake him. And then so that's a flashback to Edward Gray shooting all them. So they were in the middle of that ceremony when he got in there. So they were not able to complete that transfer. She talks about the blade, the Lipu dagger. It trapped Sedu Bera in that body. And there he remains, awake now, but powerless as a dead man. All these years he has begged me to draw out that blade, but I would not do it. Whatever good he did in his lives, I think he did more evil. And I think my father sent him to me to keep him locked away. 
So I only listen. Listen to his begging turn to rage, turn to hate, till now all his thoughts and powers are black, and all his dreams are blood. Even so, his creatures will set him free if they can. That's why all these years I've used my powers to safeguard their grave, but I failed. Exposition! Yeah. So that's why they had the body. Yeah. And that's why when those demons were coming, she had that guy run off with it and try and take it to the cathedral. They thought that they would save it. So now it's all kind of making sense. But this is so tricky to do. Like, this could easily be just a fucking slog. Right. This could easily be just like, oh, come on. But you know me, if if I if you get an artist that can that can do that right and really tell that story properly and have it be as captivating as it is here, I'm I'm all about it. I'm like, oh yeah, what happened? What's the secret history right. of the guy? He was <laughs> he was this guy, and then he was that guy, and then he was that guy, and then this happened and that happened. Like it, it, that could easily be very fucking ham fisted and boring right. and just kind of a all right, we get it. But here it it doesn't seem that way at all. They do a good job with it. Yeah, they yeah. really do. It's one of the most interesting parts of the thing. It which really is. is really yeah. rare when you're just <laughs> dropping a bunch of exposition, but it really becomes you know to me like it's the whole secret history of the fucking of the all that stuff yeah right. the woman she tells abe to go she says leave all the rest to me but what about those people and she tells abe that those monk devil guys they took all the souls of the people to have enough power to draw out the blade and abe asks where vrooman is and she says someplace uh safe i think you know she's like my son took him and hopefully they can't get to him the words i think should not follow someplace safe i think I hope. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and Abe's like, well, tell me where it is. And she's like, you're not ready to see what's in there. And if the worst happens, if they set him free, no. Take the second passage to your left. It leads down to the beach. Stay there till it's over. So then the spirit of the sun shows up, too. And it tells Abe, you can't do that. You have to go to the church. And he's like, I tried. I tried to keep it safe. And he's crying. And so we cut back to the cathedral. And they're using his body. Right, to draw out the blade. Since they can't touch it, they're using the son's body yeah. to do that. And his spirit has gone down to warn Abe about it. And he's telling him that he has to hurry. He tells him that he that they shut off the secret passage that he was using, but he knows another way. Abe tells the spirit of the son that the mother said not to go in the church. She always told me it was a good place, that nothing bad could happen there. I was born there. Once it was different here, the people were bad. They did bad things. So they were punished. They got sick. But they invited my father's spirit into that church. They were made it for him. And he saved them. My mother was born with all her powers to protect the people. And she made me to be her helper. And he, my father, gave me life. And so we see her making this man. Yeah, she made like a, uh, what's it called? A golem Uh, guy. Homunculus guy. And this father gave it life. And Abe's just like, oh my god. He gave it to me and I ruined it. The sun spirit says, I'm dead. Mother told me to keep it safe, but I wasn't strong enough. I can't go back there. But you have to go, he tells Abe. They are trying to do the bad thing. And so Abe says that he'll stop them. They're using my body. If you don't stop them, it will be my fault. And Abe says, no, it will be mine. He goes up to the church and he sees Shadow Guy, right? And Shadow, he just shoots him. But the candle is still there. Yeah. So the shadow starts like getting all crazy and big. I really love this panel, how it's just like this weird sound effect yeah. too. And then so he shoots the candle. Nice. I love that. And that kind of puts it out. And that then, was a pretty satisfying thing. He's like, shoots the guy and the guy's like, oh, bam, yeah. shot, your, shot yeah. your candle. <laughs> Can't make a shadow without the candle. <laughs> 
And Abe goes to open the door to the cathedral. There's this green light coming from within, and he hears the old woman. I warned you, do not go there. You're not ready to see what's there. They invited my father's spirit into that church. They remade it for him. My father. It's like the sea, the sea monster. When they were saying earlier, rededicate the church to the sea. Right. You go in there, it's like tentacles and shark right. teeth and starfish, starfish and, and shells and everything. Yeah. All over all the the saints and the different statues and stuff like and that. You turn the page again and it's this oh. sea god spirit. Yeah. We see. Um, That's the guy. What was it? Uh, from the depths of Numyabis, the ocean is calling her you home or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. And so we see that creature here. And Alexander just does an awesome job with this yeah. shot. This reveal. What did you think of this reveal? Oh, yeah. Here? It's really oh, good. man. Turn that page. And I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I want to I I follow this. Excellent. <laughs> and, um, but just as Abe sees this thing, they're able to get the dagger out of Vrooman. Too late. Well, and then also I take it from the way the the old lady was saying um, that my father, and then you turn the page, and so is that her father? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so it makes me, I don't know, there's so many questions I have now because it's like it merged with Landon Call, so is he somehow her father or is it or many of them running oh, around right. the ocean? And it made me uh, wonder, like, is that why he can see their spirits? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he, he can communicate with... They're both dead, There's but they're communicating with him. There's probably lots of these spirits yeah. around. Because yeah. one of them was in a little egg. And this guy's pretty big, so... Yeah. And we see that uh, in the cathedral, they've removed the dagger from Vrooman. And so he starts, like, speaking some language or whatever. But Abe just shoots all of them <laughs> right away, right? Before they can do anything. And then he shoots that glowing one. And just like what happened with Ed Gray, the same thing happens to Abe. It kind of causes this huge explosion, and Abe gets thrown back. We also see all that mist going out into the city. She says, I warned you. You are brave, but mostly you are still human. Sedubera learned his art at Gorinum from the teeth of the serpent herself, Heka Emin-Ra, the black goddess. Whatever humanity he may have gained in the hundreds of human years he has lived since, all burned away in the years imprisoned in that box. His soul is all black. He hates every living thing. He wants to kill every living thing. Jeez. And this uh, this page is amazing, yeah. right? We see Vroom. Oh, well, it's yeah. horrible. Yeah, but I mean, the, the art oh, yeah. is just really impressive and just really, we see this kind of demonic Vroom in shape with all these tentacles all and everything. All distorted. Yeah. And, and, and like, it's got that orange fire colored look Yeah, to it the too. palette is completely different from yeah. any kind of colors we've seen so far in this story. So it really kind of stands out when you get to it. I am responsible. He was in my keeping, so now you leave him with me. And so Abe sees that the woman is still alive, and she says her spirit returned. So when all that green mist went out, it kind of renewed the spirit in a bunch of these people. And she says, you and I planted that seed for this. And so when he was doing that ceremony with her, he was kind of embodying her with this kind of eel dragon thing so this thing comes out of her mouth this giant eel mm -hmm. and it just starts attacking Vroom and I just love this it just gets so crazy yeah. it reminds yeah. me of like 1946 like that story was so like it's wild grounded and paced and then this is kind of almost doing the same thing it's been kind of very slow going kind of like very um moody and then we just cut to this crazy crazy action I love it 
the eel takes Vrooman and it crashes him outside and oh, they're all rolling around together and Abe's just like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> they fall into the sea and they're underwater fighting in the sea and yeah. talking about the sea and then a golden fish. Yeah, so she says, I was promised to the sea and I'm delivered into the sea. The eel that came out of her and bit Vrooman it kind of cracks, and then this gold, beautiful fish comes out. Yeah, it's super pretty. Into the heart of my father, and here I will live forever. Well, and the, the fish is golden, but then it also, wherever the fish swims, there's this yeah, gold, little golden light path. Really, I yeah. love that. Really that's very beautiful. Pretty. It's pretty kick-ass. And we see the eel has like turned to stone or something, but it's still on Vrooman. It's still tangled around him, and it's got him. And so then we cut to the shot of Abe. He's sitting on the coast, sitting on this boat, and the rest of the agents are there. We can see helicopters in the background, and here comes Professor Broom. Sorry I let you down, Professor, he says. Not at all, the professor says. It was a bad situation. I should have been more careful, Abe says. No one could have foreseen what would happen, Broom says. If we hadn't come here at all, if we hadn't come for that dagger, Abe says, none of this would have happened. And so we see that Broom has the dagger, so he did recover it for him. Not today, Broom says. Maybe not tomorrow, but someday, sooner or later, those creatures would have gotten free. And what if there was no one here to make a difference? And we see the agents there looking in the cathedral, and that's the body of the sun, right? Yeah. But now it's turned back into like... It's got a very dead Roger look to it. Yeah. These creatures, they must have taken the spirit energy of all the people here. Yeah, so... Broom mentions when all that mist went out, it was it. A lot of the people came back to life, but unfortunately, about one third of the people their their spirits right. were consumed, including Pratt and Hampton. So those agents are are dead for good. And it was a source of those weird guys' powers. Yeah. And yeah. so the just some of the displaced spirits were able to return to the physical bodies, and some of them weren't. He says, right now it looks like two thirds of the people will recover. Yeah. So that's good. Abraham, you said you saw something when you first walked into that church, Broom says. I thought I did, Abe says. Just for a second, I thought, I don't know. And we get one panel of that jellyfish Kind of like a fuzzy thing. memory. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I, I like how this panel is just yeah. part of it. It's like a real close-up yeah. shot. Just, it's part of the thing. You get kind of a flash of it. It's sort of hazy. You're like, like, wait, what is it? It, it was so huge. So in his vision, maybe he just saw that piece of it go well, by. I really think cool. for me, it's more like thinking, trying to remember a dream you had. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. wait, yeah, that's right. I had a dream. God, you just what, get was, a fragment what was it about? It. Yeah. And you get just this one little hint of it. And that's kind of what that reminded me of. I also always wonder how many encounters he has until he finds out yeah. he is like right. Until yeah. he starts because, remembering it. Yeah, because I mean, uh, he's only been out of the tank for a couple of years. Right. So uh, yeah. it's just, you know, I, I can't wait to get delve further into his stories. <laughs> yeah. And he tells the professor he can't remember. It's all right, my boy. You did well, Broom says. I'm proud of you. And then Abe looks off into the distance and he sees the spirit of the sun walking into the ocean and he just says, thank you. And then it ends on Vrooman still tangled up with that eel. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. So that was a really cool story and I like just having these solo Abe tales. And now we're going to talk about the Ogopogo. This was a one-shot issue released in May 2015. It was also released as Abe Sapien issue 23. It is collected in Ape Sapien Volume 9 trade paperback, and we're reading it in the Drowning Omnibus, where it's on page 305. Did any of y'all see that, that X-Files episode where they're looking for the Loch Ness Monster? I probably did. I, I've seen I all of them, did. so I have to have seen it. Yeah. 
I mean, I've seen all of them several times. Of? I've I've watched every episode. I don't know how many times. So that it it's it just kind of reminds me of like an X Files episode. Yeah. Of like where all right, we go to the small town. It's probably yeah. not the Loch Ness fucking monster. Holy shit! It's the fucking Loch Ness monster. <laughs> you know. So it's yeah. Actually, Mulder, it was this whole time. I'm not so sure about that, Scully. What about this? <laughs> and it's a very but this obviously has a very clear cut. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. And instead of a heart to heart discussion in the the black murky waters oh, yeah. <laughs> you know scared by themselves have to band together and and have have a heart-to-heart discussion they're just are literally fighting ogopogo yeah. <laughs> yeah and this story is written by mignola and scott alley art yeah. colors and letters by kevin nolan interesting yeah welcome, welcome back kevin nolan but hey is this the first time we get a story by scott alley well it's written by mignola and scott alley and i think that we have gotten he, he's done some writing duties already that, uh, on stuff that we've read yeah yeah okay. well then okay. i think so i think so but he, he he'll do some more rare that someone is doing the art and lettering and we talked about this when we did when we did buster oakley gets his wish which was the last story that we saw kevin nolan on he prefers to do all of it himself right. yeah and so i think that's probably the deal whenever mignola you know gives him sure. one of these stories he's probably like a, it's probably under that expectation that he's going to do it all himself anyway you know and then like i guess like certain artists just like they know the color that they want and they know the, what they want right they, they just have a whole picture of what they want it to look like in their head it's just a very different font yeah, and Kevin Nolan also did the first draft of the Hellboy logo. I think we talked about that too. Yeah. And when I say font, it's obviously a handwritten font. When someone is doing lettering, right. they are hand lettering. So I'm not trying Typography. to say Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not trying to say that this is a font font. I'm just Yeah. And we open up on Lake Aconagan in British Columbia, May 1992. And so we open on this cabin, and this guy is singing in some indigenous language. Yeah, right? some kind of shaman song. And all of a sudden, there's a crack at his window. He looks pretty scared. And then we cut to the next day. We see Hellboy and Abe out there. And I just really, just coming into this page, I'm already like, yeah. all right. You know, I kind of, I already know what we're going to get into. Mulder and, I, and Scully, FBI. Yes. And Abe asks Hellboy, how was London? Not too bad, considering the guy was a hundred-year-old grave-robbing grave cannibal. And I like how we get this uh, panel from Kevin Nolan's point of view. Yeah. On right. Google. On the ghoul, and so we're flashing back to the ghoul. That's one of the short stories that we read. I've and never... Then, and then had three episodes of cannibalism yes. talk. Yeah. <laughs> I've never managed to bring one of those guys in alive, but this trip, I can tell you right now, is a waste of time, Hellboy says. And we also get Right Hand of Doom Boom number 34 by Kevin Nolan. Wait, 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 wait. Wouldn't it, that be the same boom, though? From, like, earlier? Wouldn't it count as the same one? I don't know. It's a I mean, flashback to a boom. Is it? I have let, to say, let I... us get us a hey, damn guys. Does the <laughs> flashback boom count as the second? Boom, or is it just the original one? Tell oh, us. Was there one thing. even in the ghoul? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to look, but I mean, if it is, and you could put like a pe- comparison picture and do a poll, is it the same or is it oh, a new one? Okay. Because he could have done it twice. We just didn't see the other one, and now we're seeing the other one. Yeah. So let's go ahead and count it. Right. So, uh, well, I'll go back and look at that anyway. But Abe is like, maybe the, we'll see something. The colors are so different. Yeah. The, I mean, the coloring style yeah. itself yeah. is so different. The painting style. And it just gives it like kind of a different sensibility. Very it, different. it does remind yeah. me more of like um, mainstream comics. Sure. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. Which is cool, which is a very cool look for this kind of book. It's different. It's it's, it's good to see a different interpretation <laughs> of, of it. And uh, like Abe him, he is very kind of a lime olive green yeah. whereas 
you know, usually we get a more cool, almost bluish mm, yeah. okay. kind of a tone to him. And so Hellboy says that he's already been there with Broom and they didn't find anything. And Hel- and Abe's like, did you actually go in the lake? Hellboy's like, you're not the only one who can swim, Abe. <laughs> Jeez. And so they look over and they see these three three fishermen and a dead body nearby. And the three guys are looking at it. One of them says, that wasn't no boat propeller. And Abe's like, how hard did you and the professor look? Ah. (laughs) I really like that. I like how he has his hand over his mouth as he says it. It's just a very humorous panel. And the three local guys, they turn around and they see Abe and Hellboy. Menacingly. Yeah, and they start to kind of approach them in an aggressive fashion. And just then the police pulls up. And this guy, he's the sheriff. He says, these are fellows from the States. And he IDs the dead body as Charlie Hepner. And one of the guys that was... Uh, one of the fishermen guys is like, ah, good riddance to him. Right. Outsiders are always bringing trouble up here. And the cop's like, hey, man, like, you're the guy who found this body. Right. Maybe you, should. you shouldn't be telling <laughs> me that you wanted him gone. Right. And so Hellboy's like, all right, didn't you say that uh, this guy was from here, though? And so another, the same guy is like, just because a cat has kittens in an oven, it doesn't make them biscuits, which makes no sense. And there's this panel. Oh, wait, we get wait, a pause wait, wait. panel. Wait, I've, I've actually heard sayings like that growing yeah. up. You know, it's it makes just no like sense. That BS, uh, was it colloquialism? Colloquialism, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank He's you, just you. saying something to say it. And so everyone kind of pauses and I looks over at him. I love that panel, yeah. He goes, yeah, Charlie's folks were from Oregon. So his parents were from Oregon. He was born here, and they still don't consider him to be local, which I find very wow, odd. Wow, yeah. I find very strange. That is some high standards. And so... Um, well, they say he'd only been back a few months, right? right? Mm. And so uh, just making small talk with the locals, and the guy was like, yeah, we we was just fishing. When we saw him, Henry went to get the chief. But yeah, so the ambulance shows up, uh, not in a rush, he's cold, so... I guess that's why the sirens are not on. <laughs> and Abe asks if yeah. anyone lives over there. And so they point to this house that's uh, nearby. And the chief says, that place that's been abandoned for years. The the chief, he's telling Hellboy and Abe that Willie didn't really have anything against poor Charlie. So it wasn't Willie. I guess it could be Ogopogo, Hellboy says. And Abe asks if there's been any recent sightings. The chief, he's very kind of dismissive of of all of this. He's like... If you blame this on the Ogopogo, you're going to scare people. And Hellboy's like, I think that body should scare people. Well, he also brings up the fact that the uh, Ogopogo is a tourist. Uh, right. Yeah. Kind of an attraction kind of the thing. The tourists are excited to have yeah. you here, which is fine. But, you know, you can't just go around telling people Ogopogo is killing people. Right. And he's like, it's probably a brown bear. No sea serpents. We can handle bears without you. Go back to Transylvania. Leave us alone. And there's another panel. There's just another beat. And Hellboy's like, you know, I've never been to Transylvania. He <laughs> was like, I feel like a swim. Yeah. So Abe he goes says to all go kinds to... of bears come through there. Black bears, brown bears, and sometimes grizzlies, I guess. Right. So that's a very interesting area where you get all kinds of different bears coming through. And that's well, what I they're mean, trying to blame it on. Yeah. They're, they're trying to, they're like, trying like, to like, pivot that. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, it's a specific Northwest. So, yeah. Lots of bears there. Yeah. And we see the chief, he's talking to this guy, Harry, and he's telling them that he's taking this death in stride. So haul me in for not crying, Harry says. I mean, you don't seem surprised Charlie's dead. Of course, I'm in shock, Harry says. Charlie just got out of jail. The chief says, if he was up to something, if you was up to something, it ends, all right? You don't want the same thing happening to you. And Harry's like, what the hell does that mean? Just what I said, it ends. 
And so that's that's kind of a already yeah, telling ominous. us. Yeah, yeah, that's telling us that they know something more than the chief knows more than what he's telling Hellboy and Abe. He's like, yeah, it seems that way. So it's just a very kind of kind of a gruff exchange here. And we learned in the last story that Abe cracks those books, right? Yeah, he sure does. So we kind of see here his narration as he's going underwater. He knows about these indigenous people that they used to make sacrifices to the Ogopogo. And so I did a little research on this. In Canadian folklore, the Ogopogo, or Naitaka, is a lake monster reported to live in the Okanagan Lake in British Columbia, Canada. Ogopogo has been allegedly seen by First Nations people since the 19th century. The most common description of Ogopogo is a 40 to 50 long sea serpent resembling an extinct Basiliosaurus or Mosasaurus. Skeptic Benjamin Radford notes, These First Nation stories were not referring to a literal lake monster like Ogopogo, but instead to a legendary water spirit. So... This part where Abe is talking about how these indigenous people made sacrifices to the Ogopogo, this researcher would say that it was really just a water spirit. Okay. And it's been interpreted as the Ogopogo. Right. To bring this folklore to life. And um, I, you know, you can go down a whole rabbit hole. People have said that they've seen it. Um, they've sure. said that they've had, they've had evidence, but none of it's ever really panned out. So... British Columbia version of the Loch Ness monster. Yes, it is the British Columbia <laughs> version of the Loch Ness monster. Well, I imagine if you're if you're one of these people who is worshiping your water spirit, that it's very real to you. Sure, so I don't, yeah. you know. But yeah, oh, I'm not the, talking about that part. You know, no, oh, yeah, yeah, but this is yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. This where it's the the X Files version of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, like when you described it as like what like a. This is the Loch Ness monster of this area, like the Plesiosaurus or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Mosasaurus, Basiliosaurus. Yeah, okay. Isn't that the same thing that they're saying, like, um, like Nessie is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like the difference between a Yeti and a Bigfoot. Sure, same thing. Yeah, and we cut over to Hellboy. He's telling the Charlie's sister that he's dead, and apparently the sheriff, the chief, hasn't even told her yet because she's just finding out from Hellboy. She's. I like how the way he draws all the uh, people of the village to look like normal people. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. really does. The they hardened fishing village people. Yeah. yeah, and they don't all look like they're 20-something-year-olds sure. from uh, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, and so she actually makes a... She crushes out her cigarette and says, Charlie swore he wouldn't get into no more trouble. Is he dead for real? And so that kind of tells you another little clue. Right, of like, ah, yeah. he was in some trouble. He was doing something. Right, right. And Abe is still ex- exploring the lake, and he's saying that um, the Ogopogo... It, it, he's thinking uh, about those books he was reading. Yeah, those books that he cracked. And he says, in the 20th century, Ogopogo shed its violent image. There have been no reported attacks on humans since the 1920s, so why now? So someone's meddling with right. something they shouldn't be meddling with over here. Hellboy's walking out, and he, this guy comes out of this like business or this store or whatever, restaurant. And he's well, like, Hell- hey, Mr. Hellboy... What were you gonna say? Well, I so said he's like wearing an apron, so he's yeah. definitely like it is a like a butcher. He's or... a working man, right? Yeah. And he goes, "You're not a cop. You're not even a Canadian, so I can't get in trouble for talking to you, right?" And <laughs> Hellboy's like, "Of course not." <laughs> so he spills the beans, right? He tells him about this old hermit, Joe Demille. His family found treasure that some French explorers lost in the lake. My grandmother was friends with DeMille. She told me about the gold statue they had. I wasn't supposed to tell nobody about it. But nobody ever asked as many questions as Charlie. So he's kind of pointing out Charlie was asking all these questions. Now he's dead, right? I like this part where he's like, and Karen can't know about this. And Hellboy's (laughs) like, I can keep a secret. (laughs) 
now Hellboy and Abe are interviewing the grandmother, I guess, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, the guy tells Hellboy that the grandma had showed Charlie on a map. So now they go to go talk to the grandma, and she's like, my grandson never could shut up. You know, you could be him. Ogopogo, I mean. And Hellboy says, have you seen Ogopogo? Of course not, she says. Either of you could be him, I guess, but you're the wrong color. I thought that was really odd. <laughs> but she she well, was saying... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was like, he, he doesn't look like the traditional sea monster color. Right, right. right. <laughs> she was saying, did you ever see the DeMille statue? She says, this is a long time ago, Mama wanted me to stay away from those Indians. Right. Because Joe DeMille is Indian. And I have to assume they're not talking about people from India. No, they're talking about so Native Americans. They're talking about indigenous right. people. Well, sure. not even Native Americans because they're in Canada. So they're oh, talking yeah, about yeah. just indigenous First sure. Nations peoples yeah anyway i always get so com- i always get so confused <laughs> with that because i don't know i know that there are certain populations that are like yeah you can refer to me as indian as an indian even though i'm not from india and there are of course certain sections of the populations that are like no i'm not a fucking indian i'm indigenous i'm first nations i'm right. this specific you can call me i'm sue i'm cherokee i'm whatever and so it's very i never know i don't want to get any hot water there so yeah yeah and they and they talk about the statue and the grandmother says the statue is where the stories about ogopogo all started and abe's like i read a lot of stories and i've never come across that and she gives him this look right yeah that is quite a look it's almost like a you know nothing abe sapien well and she goes a person who lived here her whole life might know more than some book Jeez. And then so Hellboy's like well where could we find joe and she goes he's an awful man i could see him killing somebody over that thing where and, does he live? Right. Like he's and then fucking. so when they go outside, Abe finds the chief and the cops, and he's like, hey, tell us about Joe DeMille. You know, the man who lives in that house, the one you said was abandoned, God. the one right next to where we found Charlie. And so then they're like... Well, hold on. It didn't seem like they just went outside because it was like they left there and went to the cops. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Lady was they rock up to the police station. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But then this one guy, he looks kind of uneasy. He's like, did he have something to do with Charlie? And the other guy's like, yeah, I don't encourage these fucking That's the chief again, guys. right? Yeah. He's trying to shut it down. That's the, the other thing that kind of reminds me of the X-Files episode kind of deal where local law enforcement is just very, right, yeah. oh, I don't know about these fucking outsiders coming in. Yeah. We have a way of doing things in this small town. It's like, yeah, then maybe that's the problem. Maybe you need some outsiders coming in and busting up this little ring of right. secrecy you have around your lake monster. And the chief is like, you leave that man alone or I will shoot both of you. Jeez. All right. Harsh. We cut over to this other guy that I think his name's Harry that the chief was talking to. And he's meeting with all these other guys. And they're like, so you two blew it. Now you decide to share. I wanted to tell you guys in the first place, but Charlie thought we could handle it. And now the moron's dead. So let's go back and finish the job. So this uh, cabin here kind of reminded me of the... uh, that little place in the Goonies where they uh, started their adventure. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's a nice little cabin. I wouldn't mind spending some time out there. And yeah. Hellboy and Abe are... Knocking on the door. Yeah, <laughs> they're like monitoring it or whatever. They find a back door that's open and they go inside. And they find the statue. Abe's like, so this is the fabled gold statue. But it's not gold, right? Just right. like a regular statue. He says it's our... F- and someone says it's our finest family heirloom. And, you know, we get a shot of this guy. That's DeMille, DeMille, right? Yeah. My grandmother's people lived on this lake and worshipped Ogopogo. They were a great people, but the idol was here before them. They sang to it and to him, but they aren't here anymore. No one's here. Uh, Ogopogo or... Well, this has some glottal stops in it, which I'm not going to try and butcher. Oh, okay. uh, I don't want to... 
I've I've heard that uh, white people attempting glottal stops sounds ridiculous to a lot of indigenous <laughs> people. So I'm not going right. to force you to. I'm not going to make you suffer through that. But uh, Great Spirit was worshipped by the local people. Now it's only me, just me and Poral Ogopogo. Yeah, and so he's the only one that's looking after it. And he says that he looks after it and it looks after him. I love this comment where he says, he used to be 10 times bigger and he glowed. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but well, nobody it, believes in him anymore. Yeah. So his so he kind of has diminished. shrank yeah. and faded. Yeah. Abe goes outside and he confronts these other guys. They're there to, I guess, shoot DeMille or something. That's Jeez. what they were talking about, finishing the job. Right. Fuck. And they think that Abe is the Ogopogo for a second, uh, right? They're like, Jesus Christ, it was you? That's the thing they got Charlie? And then this one guy's like, that's not the Ogopogo. You're damn right, DeMille says. And you ain't taking my statue. After what happened to your friend last night, you even want to try? And then stuff, some starts bubbling from the water, uh, right? Like something's going to happen. And Abe's like, you guys should go. Yeah. Because Abe has a firm handle on what the fuck's happening here. Yeah. He's right. like, all right, get the fuck out of here now. And so Hellboy's trying to, he just wants them to show them the statue so maybe they'll be happy and they'll leave. And DeMille say, no, they're really there for greed. I like how he can differentiate. He's like, you guys came here out of concern. Right. You were genuinely concerned. These guys are fuckers. Fuck these guys. Because he's supposedly a golden statue and they want to steal it to, for money, I'm assuming. Yeah. and Things are heating up. In, in the lake, mm. things are... And Abe seems like the only one that he's noticing all this. He's like, just get out of here. And one of these guys accidentally lets a shot off. It hits DeMille on the shoulder. Things start to go... And when it hits DeMille, the Ogopogo pops oh, up. Man. And this is just awesome Super art as cool. it comes up. Yeah, I love yeah. the depiction of the Ogopogo here. So it was like... Um, he he protects it, so it protects him. So, like, when they shoot him, then it's going to come out and try. So, I guess the guy that got killed the night before was trying to get him, trying to get the statue. Well, I mean, it, that's probably what happened in the beginning with the, uh, old, where we see him and you see the crack and then it right. cuts to uh, Abe and, uh, oh boy, and the dead body. Yeah. Really cool scene. And Abe runs towards the Ogopogo as it's coming down on this guy and he punches it in the face and then so it whacks him across with the tail and we see abe flying through the air at all these sharp rocks and hellboy goes he he starts to go after abe and the guy's like oh just a minute son because he wants to protect abe and hellboy right from ogopogo because uh, you know he's like he he knows ogopogo is attacking those other dudes right but he's trying to kind of keep yeah, a yeah. lid on on the action here and, and simmer it down and so he starts singing, and the Ogopogo kind of goes back into the water, and it stops attacking. I like that in the song where you see him say Ogopogo, and it's spelled um, A O A G U A G. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Agua yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like you know, Ogopogo is the uh, bastard angle right. version. Yeah. Of, yeah. of course, exactly. absolutely, yeah. Well, and then the the other name that has all the glottal stops and yeah. it is also at the beginning too, and it's just a nice little shaman song here. Yeah, I really like that. I would and love to hear someone sing it. Yeah, I wonder if there's any any kind of comparable water spirit song, or if I'm even worthy of hearing it. I don't know if that's you know right. I, I don't want to make it seem like it's for whatever entertainment or something. Obviously, it's a very can be a personal right. thing but yeah it's it's interesting in the context of the story just because we clearly the writer and artist is giving us a view of the guy who's guarding this right this ogopogo or water spirit as he's the good guy yeah we want him to win sure so yeah. that's you know yeah. i like that and demille he tells hellboy and abe these men know better than to bother me again 
And so Hellboy's like, well, I guess we're done here. And Abe's like, what, really? <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the last panel. Well, I also like how, like, um, after he gets done singing, like, Ogopogo just kind of turns and looks at him. And then he's all like. All right. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he just kind of, like, swims off. I guess he's yeah. getting, he looks like he's getting ready to go back in the water. Yeah. yeah. He's all like, panel, yeah. he's like, all right, I'm going to go home. I got some, uh, you know, <laughs> something on the stove. I got something on the stove. I got to go. You know, my show's about to come on. <laughs> Call me if you need me, though. I'm there for you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I like that idea that Hellboy's like, okay, we're done here. This is this is not a thing we need to interfere right. with. Because yeah. this guy's protecting this guy, and rightfully so. He deserves to be here. Right. These other dudes, they should chill the fuck out, and they probably will. Yeah. So, so we're leaving. We're done. Yeah. I, I do like that. He's not going oh, to get involved in anything that he doesn't need yeah. to. But I just want to go back to page 331 really quick. So. Well, it, but it just on, on that note, uh, before we leave that subject, is I like getting a story. What's the purpose of this story? And we see a lot of stories where they are meddling, interfering. They have to capture right. a guy, bring him in, and they have to... We've seen several stories now where they're like, okay, we have to get this creature and put him in a, a cell and make sure he doesn't hurt anybody. We have to kill the creature. We have to depower the creature. We have to do something. And in this instance, it's right. like, this creature is on its own land or right. water, is in its own spot, deserves to be it's here, was here, here for, before yeah. anyone else, isn't harming anyone that doesn't come and... and if you're coming to threaten it and fuck with it of course it's like yeah i'll defend myself this guy's protecting it and these other guys seem like they're gonna chill out now so we can leave this whole situation alone right which i think it's also good to note it's good for the bprd it's good to show that they're not just some meddlesome fucking government organization from america that's just going around trying to kill a bunch of creatures they're well, there for a reason. Well, and maybe Hellboy kind of was part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because then we taken it in that direction. Because we have that episode later where Roger has to go down there and kill those frogs that were worshiping their mother's dead body. And yeah. then at the end of that one, he was like, "Why did we even go there?" Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. And I think maybe that is a is a part of Hellboy being part of the bureau and kind of being a monster and sometimes on the sure, side of absolutely. monsters, recognizing yeah. that like. Oh, this is a monster that's just chill, and so we can just go. Well, that was his attitude towards Abe, too. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Abe, let's do experiments on this fucking weird sure, creature yeah. thing. And Hellboy was like, he's not a thing. It's a person. You can't get him out of there. Same thing when he uh, rescued Roger. He's like, Roger is a... Oh, well, wait, and Abe. Liz. No, wait, Abe rescued Roger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and, we've seen and this Liz. theme. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're um, supposedly what you would call monsters sure. or horrible things, but no, they're just really... Yeah, looking out for each other. Yeah, right. Sorry, John, you said you wanted to go to page 34? Yeah, no, well, 31. Uh, 31. If, if y'all are... Da- or yeah, yeah, of fi- course, Finish please. up Move whatever on. you're Move talking on. about. But if we... I just want to go back to page 331 really quick on the Ogopogo. We're looking at, at this in the omnibus, obviously. 331. <clears throat> I was yeah. way off. And uh, so remember, we did uh, another Hellboy Abe adventure called Box Full of Evil. Yeah. And that was the one where Abe got shot by the monkey and then he got burned by the monkey, too, and all this kind of stuff. Is that a monkey? (laughs) (laughs) He's got a gun. And uh, so at the end, uh, there's an epilogue to that story, and the epilogue's drawn by Mignola. And uh, Kate comes up to Hellboy. She says, well, I just came from the hospital. Abe looks like he's going to be fine. And Hellboy says, yeah, I knew he'd be okay. A few years ago, he and I were in Canada. 
looking for lake monsters. The Ogopogo came right under Abe and tossed him 800 feet onto some pointed rocks, and he lived through that. I figure if Ogopogo can't kill him, he sure as hell is not going to get killed by a monkey. And we get this panel. Wow, that's we get the this same panel shot. By oh, shit. That's cool. And it's the same shot that's on page 331. That's so, so cool. I like how nice. Kevin Nolan's like, we're going to work that that's in there. Great. You know, he's getting thrown onto the that's sharp rock. That's the story rocks. that yeah. they went back and told. Yeah. That's great. I that, love that. So I just love the stuff like that. I want to know. Yeah. Man, that is super awesome. Yeah. And so let's look at the sketchbook really quick. On page 396, we have the covers. And so we can see the awesome Mignola covers for Abe Sapien, the Drowning, that um, we didn't get in the chapter breaks. <laughs> Shadow guy. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> yeah, guy and we, we also see the sketches that Mignola did for those guys, for the little monk guys. And he also designed mm-hmm. the Lipu dagger. Um, there's a nice note on page 392. Mignola writes, the story behind the tattoos, these guys were created thousands of years ago and their special powers were written into their skin. So most of tattoos are basically lines of text. Text is old Atlantean, should look sort of Asian or Arabic. That's pretty cool. And then did y'all see the covers? Yeah. 396. Yeah, and these are awesome covers from Super Mignola, good. colored by Dave. Stewart. I like the little squares of the details of the like the the moth and the eyes and the yeah, yeah. I love that. Just that one with the dagger, though. Yeah, for yeah. issue five, and then if you go to page four twenty six, hop over there, you can see um, some nice roughs, pencils, and inks from Kevin Nolan on some of these issues, and so you can kind of see some of his process. Oh, of right. laying out That's these pages, and so I really like that. Oh man, I even like how he drew the um, his lines for um, his uh, lettering and all that. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you can see that in his word bubbles, he has them lined. We don't so want that way, the... lettering. Yeah, yeah, very cool. <laughs> well, like years and years ago, I took a typography class, and like that was kind of yeah. one of the things that they were like, talking. Like, draw out your little lines and like all the spacing, and I can't Ty- remember. Typography the... is fascinating. Yeah, I can't remember all the terms right now, but I mean, I had like serifs all... and all this stuff. Well. Oh, even more than that. But I had yeah. like all these like tools on like how to do the measuring yeah. properly and everything. The and exact I, width of the rounding of a certain yeah. letter. Right. And I had, yeah. this gore- I had this great talk every book on telling you how to, because I, yeah. I learned how to do hand typography. Every single I part it, of a letter. I, learned it. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it, but I learned it. Every single part of a letter has a name. Oh, yeah. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah, that was a really great episode. What do you guys think of these Abe Sapien stories? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty fun. We're going to get some more Abe Sapien over the next couple weeks. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's from Lost Lives. Yeah, oh, there's another no. one for a sweater. Um, I love that art though; they do a great job. But um, Sorry, uh, Aubrey, Aubrey just held up. A, well, I just realized nobody else can fucking see what Aubrey's oh, doing. Right, yeah. He held up a picture of Abe wearing that fucking it's in the yellow sweater. It's in the sketchbook. I went by and it said Lost Lives, and I was like, oh right, the sweater, the orange yeah. sweater. It's on page four twenty eight of the of the Drowning Omnibus. If you have that one and. It, it's uh, regarding Lost Lives, which is a story that we read on uh, on our War of Frogs episode. So next we're, we're going to be reading some Ape Sapien stories also from this omnibus. And we're also going to be finishing up the Being Human trade paperback. So uh, the Being Human trade paperback, we've already read most of the stories in there, but it has uh, two additional stories that we haven't got to. So next week we'll be reading half BPRD short stories, half Ape Sapien short stories. You think people gave him shit for that after his sweater phase was over? Like, he's late to a meeting, and they're like, what, were you out buying more sweaters yeah. or something? <laughs> they were probably giving him shit while he was wearing those sweaters. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. 
See, that's another fallout of Hellboy leaving the BPRD. Abe started wearing those crappy suits. There you go, right? Well, Hellboy, Hellboy would have definitely called Hellboy him wasn't there to be like, what is those... this? What's this now? Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll see Abe's fashion designs more next week. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. Share us your thoughts on Abe Sapien, The Drowning, and Ogopogo. You can send us your feedback at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can find the Discord link on our Facebook page and apparently also our reading list, so yeah. go check that out. Also, be sure to check out our friends at Mignolaverse.com and all the wonderful things they're doing over there. And also a big shout out to uh, Paul from Garderhorn for the theme. Yeah. Love it. We love it. We even sang it a little today. <laughs> <laughs> you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are going to be discussing... That could be the sea shanty. Oh, yeah. What? What could be the sea shanty? The, the song. That song. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's our sea shanty. All right. Sorry, Aubrey. Take All it right. away. All right. <laughs> Next week, we'll be discussing the BPRD and Abe Sapien short stories, including The Dead Remember casualties the haunted boy subconscious and the ectoplasmic man so you know what to do pull out your trades pull out your back issues get your library editions download the hoopla app um, i still need to check that one out get your digitals borrow them from a friend and join us next week on the hellboy book club podcast thanks a lot everybody my name is john salinas and i'm danielle and i'm aubrey loveless saying what did i tell you man they're cheap <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <It's good. laughs>